This month, Streaming Things is brought to you by these super patrons, and I'm about to shout them out. Thank you so much to Chester Copperpot, Jade, Jillian Morgan, Aaron Layton, Ghost, Andrew Gray, Casey McCain, Crystal Trujillo, Jen Robinson, John Collins, Kalisha Reeves, Kate, Kiki Newton, Stanton, Valerie, and Will Nash. Let us drain our cups to these three strong bastards! When you look at the dragons, what do you see? When dragons flew to war, everything burned. I do not wish to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone. Aegon Targaryen sits the Iron Throne. The crown cannot stand strong. The house of the dragon remains divided. Men would sooner put the round to the torch than see a woman ascend the Iron Throne. The princess has a dragon, you dumb cunt. But <laughs> have your tongue for that. He can keep his tongue. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. Dracarys! Welcome back! My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I am the Lord of Kisses. And this is Streaming Things, the first of its name. Long may it rain. I believe this is the end of our reign for the foreseeable future our uh, line has ended all the episodes oh, now our watch has ended um all the episodes of house of the dragon season one have aired and this is going to be our mailbag episode mailbag oh. here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to sorry I like use clues. You give up at the same line. Last time we did Rings of Power, you gave up at the exact same spot. Sorry. Yeah. It's a good time to give up. <laughs> I say go all in. Mm-hmm. Feet, all feet forward, Andy. Make Sing the whole thing. All myself. nine toes. When it comes, I want to wear mail bag. <laughs> <laughs> we got hundreds of good emails and we had to choose uh, but a dozen or so. So yeah, we got so many emails for Hot D. It was uh, overwhelming. And uh, but in a good way. And so just know that we have filed the others in a folder. I think now we have about 230 emails to respond to because we like to respond to them. So that's that's fun. That's a lot. (laughs) But at the same time, it's fucking wonderful. It warms my heart inside that so many people Mm -hmm. care that much. So if your email is not read today, don't think that that's because it was not a good email or that it wouldn't have spawned a good conversation. It was just like, cause one time we had to try to read like 30 for a mailbag episode and it was a nightmare to edit and to like, try to get it into something you guys would actually listen to. That's the one we broke up into two parts. Yeah. We yeah. broke up after that. The band split. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, last week Kyle left the band. I had a, a fun way. I wanted to see. start this episode. Uh, I was watching. <laughs> I just want Andy to start singing something and then give up to seconds sorry. in with that sorry uh <laughs> can't help myself <laughs> there was an interview with olivia cook and she was asked what song if any like defined her entire life i don't know if you know this about allison Rock hightower lobster allison hightower likes to party uh mm-hmm. and so this is the song that she said would define her entire life okay oh. you're not ready I love the sound of my cheeks as they're getting clapped with dicks so hard, just like bricks. Clap my wow. cheeks for weeks. I love the sound of my cheeks. Light of the seven. Clap with dicks so hard, just like oh my bricks. Clap goodness. my cheeks So this is what. Clap, clap, <laughs> <laughs> is this the song from the faculty? No, no. I just, I just thought of this. <laughs> this is cheeks by Only Fire. <laughs> 
Oh, it's playing. Oh again. God! Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> We're going for more. Anyway, Wait, she really was like that song. Is yeah, it? she said it'd be, it'd be cheeks by only fire. And then I also saw a video of her like clearly rolling balls on ecstasy in a club with Emma Darcy. And I was like, I want to be there so bad. <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. It does. It does. So Allison Hightower likes to party. Uh, I also like the ch- sound of my- <laughs> I, was, I ruined it. Cheeks getting clapped. <laughs> I like the sound of my sorry. I pulled it, Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy did Andy. it. All right. So let's dive right in. Uh we've also got some cool things like I dove into our entire seasonal coverage of uh House of the Dragon and tallied up our Mummer's Dragon votes to see who won <gasps> uh the overall Mummer streamy. And uh, so that'll be fun. The but uh, our first streamy. email comes in from Ben G. I will read it. It says Hey guys, love the podcast. It really helps me get through long days at work. I had a question regarding hot D and the big picture of the story and themes, which I'm loving, by the way. Ooh. So this came in actually before the, the show ended, I guess. So oh. there are two sides, the greens and the blacks. Yes. Mm-hmm. The greens are backed by the high towers and support Aegon. It's claim it's, it's claim to the throne and the blacks are backed by Targaryens and others who support Rhaenyra's claim. At the end of the day, whoever wins the throne will have the same last name, Targaryen. Sure, in the short term, one will be the monarch and the other won't, but House Targaryen will still rule. I haven't read Fire and Blood, so maybe I just don't know yet. Say the Greens win and Aegon, it's the firstborn son, succeeds him. In that case, the Targaryens will sit on the Iron Throne. If the blacks win... Basically, he just goes on to say the Targaryens will still sit the throne. So my question is, he says, what is a streamlined answer in the sense of a big picture? We're talking big picture, (laughs) big picture here. Why one side winning over the other will affect anything other than the power of a couple of houses. Sorry, I really can't think of a better way to phrase that question or if it's a stupid question. I don't know. I hope that the very least that the previous paragraph will facilitate a cool discussion between you guys. I just want a clarification if it exists in canon or if not your take on things. Thanks, Ben. So we will try to refrain from book spoilers in general so we won't say which side wins but i don't think it's a book spoiler to know because you know if you've watched game we're assuming everyone that's listening to this has watched game of thrones right Mm -hmm. uh right and and all of house of the dragon right yes and all of house of the dragon at this point spoiler alert for house of the dragon so it's not the the targaryens are still in power no matter who wins and the green the greens or the blacks but spoiler you're not wrong but uh, the it's the stakes are very high for the Targaryens themselves because this divided their house. Uh, you know, lots of dragons died during this time. Lots of Targaryens died during this time. And it, it lowers the power of their overall hold over Westeros considerably. And this event is considered historically to be what led to the overall demise more than anything else of the house of Targaryen. But I think to get to like his specific question of like, what is different? Like why each of them are fighting and what's really at stake. I thought his question was, what does it matter? I thought it was very clear. He was asking uh, either way, a Targaryen sits on the throne. So what does it matter? It can't for the house of Targaryen. And well, for the house of Targaryen, I think it it matters simply because who is sitting on the iron throne? Because as we know, if you watch the show, Aegon's a piece of shit and he's not going to be a good King. Probably not if he's on there. Whereas someone like Rhaenyra would probably be a very good King. Queen, excuse me. Oh, king. She's yeah, my king. king. Uh, and, and, and if you look at it through that way, that's what's at stake. And you listen to all what these politicians are really talking about. And yes, some of them are trying to get more power. The high towers definitely are trying to just increase the power of their house so that maybe, you know, maybe down the line, maybe it's a high tower that's sitting on that throne of the Targaryen. Don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. Well, I, I just want power. And I think it's contextually very important, too, to understand that because a lot of people, 
we'll talk. I think, I think I did save an email where there was some question about why are the team greens get so much shit. Um, but you know, the, there is a lot of cultural context to why Otto Hightower is the way that he is. I mean, I think we talked about it on the show, but um, the seat of Westeros of the King was in old town. And so the Hightowers traditionally had a lot more power, a lot more proximity to power. And so they have some deep resentment against house Targaryen. Uh, and so that's where a lot of Otto Hightower's motivation comes from. Well, and it's also a question of uh, tradition and patriarchy. So this is, yes. uh, uh, King Viserys named his daughter as his heir. Uh, he did it at a time when uh, he was trying to have a son and was failing to do so, as we see in uh, episode one. Um, but it also goes against the tradition that was established that made him king. The Council of uh, 101. That we see at the very beginning. It was the Grand Council where they chose Viserys as king over his cousin, uh, Rhaenys. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rhaenys had the better claim. She was the uh, daughter of uh, Jaehaerys's first, or not firstborn, but uh, of eldest uh, born. of his eldest born of his eldest living son she she had the better claim she did not win the council it was a landslide um because she was a woman and so when Viserys named Rhaenyra as his heir it was flying in the face of that and uh so there there is this uh underlying uh feminist theme going through the mm -hmm. uh struggle for power here and yeah because a lot of lords are saying saying like oh if we just abandon that we actually give uh, women the rights of rule and of um, inheritance essentially mm -hmm. that's going to change a lot of things in this country of Westeros because then you can have like oh well, this is my eldest born daughter she gets my lands and not my you know third born son and that's going to make a lot of men in the country very upset because mm -hmm. you know it's a very misogynistic uh, time. society yeah. sure and like at this time, I think uh, the Vale of Aaron is uh, uh, lorded over by a woman, Jane, and Lady so, Jane. And so it becomes a question of like who supports who and what do they have to gain or lose by uh, who they side with. So like Jane being a woman in power would potentially sacrifice uh, any claim that she has to her, uh, her, her lordship if she were to side with Aegon II. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's and so yeah. there's a lot. There's a, a shit ton at stake. It's, it, but ultimately, yes, it is a uh, the same families in power regardless. But uh, who would it's kind of like uh, the Valerians where it's like uh, Corliss. Does he care if the, the the children that have the Valerian name are his or not? Not. No, he just wants the Valerian history name remembers names in power. Mm -hmm. And so in, in that regard, you're not wrong. But yeah, the people that are behind that name are really important. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good I hope question. that answers your question, Ben. Question, Ben. Our next email comes in from Jonas Evans, and it'll be read by Steve. Uh, Jonas writes in, hi, guys. I'm Jonas. Been listening since season four of Stranger Things. So new listener. But your hot D coverage is just as good, if not better. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I watch the show with my friends, but it's nice to sneak away and hear about it more with the quote unquote experts. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that <laughs> is a funny statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are Bro. definitely experts. Wink. Big red noodly boy. Uh, hey, don't <laughs> talk about the big red noodly boy. My questions are actually more about the public perception of the show. I'm team black. 
flack, I guess, since I love Rhaenyra. But I think it's fair to say that neither side lacks horrible people. In fact, I think the whole beauty of the show is that everyone with any ounce of power really isn't that good at all. So, one, who do you think of uh, the main, who do you think of the main characters is the best true moral person? And two, do you think it's fair for people to be team green under the logic that no one is good and they just like those characters more? Uh, I feel like team green people have been getting too much hate online for opinions on a fictional show. Keep up the amazing work. Seriously, guys, don't stop. I'm so addicted to this podcast. Thank you, Jonas. Thank you, Jonas. Okay. Um, so question one, uh, who of the main characters is the best true moral person? Best true moral person. Without a doubt, it is Caraxes. <laughs> I'm going to go with Harold Westerling. <laughs> That's a he, good. He's I a mean, Kingsguard, so he has these severe morals that he has to stand up to by virtue of his position. He also take, literally uh, throws away, like, he, he's, he has reached the pinnacle of his career, and he retires rather than... Uh, continue rather than uh, commit treason and uh yeah plus Graham mctavish is the coolest name ever and that's the it actor is. that plays him uh yeah. mctavish um <laughs> i think that's a great answer but I, I think there's a lot there's a lot more good people in this show than you would think especially if you put it in context of what's acceptable societally at the time right not the time but in this in this world place in this world uh i would say i would argue Lena Valarian, uh, both children, Raina and, and Bela. Uh, Bela. Uh, I would also put Lionel Strong in that camp. I think he's a, a very moral person. I would even put yeah. Harlan in that camp unless I'm not too judgy on, uh, you know, no, not at all, because that was a consensual like her husband, Rainier's husband didn't care at all. That was a, an agreement that they made as a polyamorous couple. So I'd put Harwin in that camp. Uh, I would put Rhaenyra in that camp. Absolutely, I would. I, I honest, honestly, I the people who like say Rhaenyra is uh, doing some immoral things. It's very like, well, yeah, she's in a polyamorous relationship. Like that's it. That's it's okay. Nunya, it's a bunch of nunya biz. It's shit. nunya business, mm-hmm. and like a lot of people are like, oh, well, she has to be betrothed. Like, sure, but I mean. She's not like fucking anyone over. She releases uh, Lenor, lets him be him. She's happy to support his lifestyle. Um, she ra- she raises two really really good boys, um, and uh, well, and she a couple other kids too that we haven't really gotten a lot to see. But uh, like I I think she is a pretty morally good character. I mean, some people might not be. She happy does with some her selfish things, choices, but, but she was a kid throughout a lot of that stuff, right? right she's a little yeah. kid. And even Allison, the show's done a good job of showing her as somebody manipulated and gaslit and uh, put in a tragic Shakespearean style circumstance where she's not privy to all the facts at certain crucial junctures. Yeah. And now, um, the reason I do put Rhaenyra over Allison is yes, for once, same. for one specific reason. And, and that is because she hits her kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, Rhaenyra also didn't try to uh, stab one of Allison's daughters, uh, as we see. Uh, yet. <laughs> as yet, we see yet. Allison do. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, but that takes us to the second part of the question, which was, uh, is it fair for people to be Team Green under the logic that no one's good? And I think that Allison is, Allison is a really good argument for that. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely just... A, a young girl that was forced into this position and that it's a position of luxury and power. Sure. But it's also one of fear and uh, subservience and being told and that, banging a 
30 years your senior melty dude. Yeah, yeah. Bang, banging fucking Two-Face. Uh, she, the one side of Two-Face. <laughs> right. <laughs> she she uh, is absolutely just trying to survive and is caring for her children. And she be- firmly believes that she is going to, her. she and her children are going to be killed if uh, her son is not named the heir. And so in that light, yeah, of course she's, it's acceptable to say that she's in the right here. Mm-hmm. Like she's just fighting to survive. I, I want to shed some light on, you know, the internet can get kind of crazy and, and like, it's just a fun show. Sure. But I think, you know, there are some, like you can, you can measure someone's worldview sometimes by how they interpret certain characters and the stances that they take. Like, obviously I made a joke by the way, um, on TikTok, the team greens are team empire in star Wars. And I think you would be surprised how many people unironically said, I am team empire. It's fucking ridiculous. The rebels have killed millions of people. All they wanted to do was bring order to the universe. And so I'll just leave that. Yikes. I'll just leave that out big there. Fucking yikes. Literal space Nazis. Even, big fucking yikes. Yeah, so even though this was right crowd, <laughs> even though you can, you know, Hey, it's just a show about space wizards who cares, but you can tell a lot about a person because they said, Hey, I'm, I'm team empire. Right. <laughs> um, now if they just think Vader's cool, that's different. Vader is yeah, that's cool. Different. That's a great character, right? That's not what I'm saying. You, I can, the I can fashion understand. department on the Imperials. impeccable yeah. fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, you can be team green, like, Hey, the great council one one. I think Rhaenyra is selfish. She's making decisions that aren't adequate of a ruler because she's thinking about herself all the time. I don't agree with you at all, but you can make that argument. And I, I would hear that and I would understand that. Um, uh, but what I think you got to be careful of is that like Andy was talking about earlier, there's a huge undertone. That's not even that subtle in this story about taking down the patriarchy. Um, and it looks like a team green person could look like a misogynist by just saying, well, obviously it should be Aegon because he's a dude. That's what they said, you know? And, yeah. and I think you got to be careful about that. That's what I would say. And that's why people on the internet get hate for being team green. I think the only team greens I know that like take time to argue and stuff about how good of a claim the greens have and are women. Uh, so obviously they're not, most likely not a misogynist. So there are some arguments for team grain, but it's pretty rare and I don't agree with them. So mm-hmm. hope that answers your question. Uh, our next email what, comes. What are, I'm just curious. What are their. Well, her name is lady Lannister. She's the one that made the podcast. Uh, the Lannister. Season, the season. Likely ish. name. She's a huge <laughs> Lannister fan. Um, it, it, it's a lot. She's very intelligent. She knows a shitload sure. about the universe, but you know, she has some interpretations about the character of Rhaenyra and some decisions she made mostly based on the books more than anything else. And, um, oh, that, so this is a quick aside, um, but there are some people on Twitter who are just unfathomably unfair when it comes to talking about Rhaenyra because all of their assumptions are based off the book, which again, as we've mentioned, is like a, it, which is just a big exercise in an un, um, unreliable narrator. Right. You have like several unreliable narrators being filtered through an even un, more unreliable narrator. Yeah. Right? It's Maester Gildane interpreting Septon Eustace and Mushroom. Yeah. Uh, no and actual much, facts. Uh, yeah. So there's no true facts. So uh, there is a, there's a couple accounts where they're like, this show's stupid. This show's awful. How do you not do this in the show? And it's like, well, cause 
that's not what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are they unaware that George Martin is a co-creator of the show? Well, and then they were also doing, I saw the same person. Like I, I've, I've started like w- looking at this person cause their, their takes fascinate me because they're so wrong, but they're like followed by a ton of people. Like a ton of people follow them for their game of Thrones coverage to the point where they're like, uh, what was the one thing that blew my mind? It wasn't hot D related. It was like, Oh, um, Oh, oh it was like, uh, Arya, Arya Stark murders an entire family and feeds a dude to a pie. Um, uh, 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 Jon Snow beheads Ollie, which by the way, he does not behead Ollie. Ollie is hanged. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she lists a third uh, character doing a thing, murdering somebody. And it's like, oh, but Daenerys is the monster. Okay. And a lot of people were like, yeah, because she burned thousands of innocent people at the end of game of thrones that's why we call her the mad queen she's like uh you're not allowed to use D D fanfic to defend this and they're like what are you talking about you just listed three things that only happen in the show and not the books you're talking about those three characters it's so off base yeah. right this character you can't, and, yeah. and i'm just like what are you talking like grasping for straw learn what an unreliable narrator it is and like uh one of the things was um i will like, say this I support Daenerys no matter what she chooses. Oh, I to support do. Daenerys too. Like all those people Fuck should burn. Fuck them peasants. Fuck them peasants. Uh, yeah. the, the thing that, that t- tipped me off was my lock screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing that tipped me off was like, um, she used the line from the Sarah. book where it's like, when, when Amon comes back after killing Lucerus and Otto's like, there's a line in the book that Otto says to Eamon when he finds out they kill Lucerus, where it's like, you lost one eye, not, and you, and you still are blind to this. It's something like that. Mm. How are you so blind to have done this? You only lost one eye. And she's like, how do they not include that in the show? Cause the show ended before we got there. Yeah. Can you fucking wait until season two? Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. There's a big line where I think Damon <laughs> says, um, an eye for an eye. Now we'll do son for a son, you know? Um, but they didn't say that they had her, you know, they had Rainier just, use a look instead yeah. of that. Cover. And I liked it. You know, it was a good chance. It's just, yeah. it's like an adaptation is a different medium. So I you tell the story a different way. Final, uh, display of emotion, uh, to cap off the season was fantastic. It was incredible. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Damn it. It was good. Um, but our next email read by Andy comes in from Amelia R. So Amelia wrote in, Hey guys, just listen to your finale Ew. recap. Love the pod. Thank you. Thanks. And had a different perspective on the moment that Rhaenyra hesitates for a second to take the cup. Oh, yeah. Talking about the wine that uh, I guess that would be Ray- her daughter-in-law slash cousin. Something. Yeah. <laughs> I might be reading too much into it, but when she hesitated, I thought it was because for a moment she was like, oh, I shouldn't drink this wine. I'm pregnant. But then had the realization that she's no longer pregnant and can have wine now. Also, who knows? Because I'm sure back then pregnant women still drank wine. Just a thought. Figured I'd share. And that's a really good point. I just want to include this because I thought that was an, a really good take on that. Like. I don't want to hurt the baby. Oh, I don't have the baby anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's her stepdaughter slash cousin. By the Sorry, I was reading the email. Stepdaughter. Okay. Um, well, that just speaks to like how nuanced they are with so many of the little moments in this show. Yeah. Because you can read that so many different ways. It is a... Uh, maybe I'm about to be poisoned. It, yeah, was it, it you that thought the poison thing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and then I took it as like, a, I used to be a cupbearer. Now look how far I've come and mm-hmm. I, I want to include her in this moment. And then there's t- that take. I mean, they're all great. Typically uh, in medieval times, people of power had uh, medieval times had, had tasters that would 
taste things first before they uh, the the person in power would eat or drink to ensure that something was not poison that was a thing so to take something uh unasked for and then just drink out of it is a potentially lethal situation so uh, completely valid probably even more so valid is the point that amelia brings up which is she poison weapon for women and eunuchs just (laughs) rhaenyra literally just had a stillbirth like moments before this and uh there's a, a a lot of loss that you could look into that scene so much that you can project onto it. And it's brilliant. Yeah. A lot of context to, to, to mm-hmm. plow through. It's a good point, Amelia. Yeah. I like that perspective a lot. Um, our next email comes in from Chip L. Chris, Steve, and Andy. Thank you for including me. Love your show. <laughs> when I was looking for Stranger Things coverage to listen to, I didn't foresee having a new favorite podcast or having my vernacular permanently oh. altered. Thanks for any hoozle, Chris. Oh, is this the guy that included the meme? Yes. Oh, I love it. Uh, some thoughts on Otto offering terms to Rainier on the bridge. Uh, the greens are best served not by crushing the blacks, but rather if the realm believes an alternate version of events that Viserys named Aegon heir and he has ascended to the throne legitimately and the Targaryens are a united force around him. Additionally, without the need to discredit Rhaenyra Jace Luke to dispute the succession, it would be in the Greens' best interest if they are seen as trueborn, avoiding an embarrassingly embarrassing family scandal. Their offer gives Rhaenyra the option to play into this story, and it is designed around what the Blacks might have had if this story were the truth. Her sons are treated as legitimate. Her children receive positions with their family in court. Rhaenyra keeps Dragonstone as a respected family member. Luke takes Driftmark as a legitimate Targaryen who supports the regime. I think you meant Valerian, maybe. Why wouldn't Aegon want him holding this strategic position? Otto's emphasis on the symbols of legitimacy, conqueror's crown, etc., isn't just posturing to intimidate Rhaenyra. If the person holding these symbols is attacked and even defeated by his own ken, no less, it undermines these symbols and the legitimacy of House Targaryen, regardless of who emerges victorious. Otto argues that the deed is done. The, the masses have happily accepted Aegon, and there is now no path to the throne to, for Rhaenyra without chaos. We are shown this with the Baratheon Lord says... The House of the Dragon does not seem to know who rules it. I don't read, though. Strife shows weakness. <laughs> there can, cannot be a civil war within the House without immense suffering and greatly diminished House Targaryen at the end. Much better answer to our first emailer's question. Uh, I should mention I am sane and therefore Team Black. I just tried to lay out the Greens <laughs> rationale as I think it is a well-considered approach that Rhaenyra could realistically feel she must accept. It misses the fact that there won't be prosperity with a psychopath on the throne. The fact that this is all the Greens' fault and the fact that Rhaenyra should be queen because she kicks ass. Uh, and then he included a, a a meme that he made himself, which is like the guy with the, the giant dominoes, you know, the small domino with the bigger, large domino. Bigger, bigger. Uh, and the biggest domino is, I say, any who's in a business meeting and the smallest uh, domino is Stranger Things is created. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> I just pictured him with a PowerPoint presentation, just changing uh, slides. Any who's um, very well said. Nothing for us to really comment on there. I mean, that was very well laid out. And yeah. it, it does um, help people show how layered and complex this is, how genius Otto really can be and why Rhaenyra, as smart as she is, was actually considering this offer. You can tell against Damon's uh, I'd rather feed my children to dragons than have them pour c- cups for your cunt of a king or whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was, that was word for word. Psychopath usurper <laughs> cunt of a king. It's something like that with commas, but um, <laughs> until the tragedy that befalls, you know, between Aemon and Luke there, I think Rhaenyra was strongly considering it and it was mm. good terms, honestly, like yeah. other than the crown, you get everything you could ever possibly want. Um, and unfortunately 
Eamon can't control Vagar. There's a, there's a really, there's a episode of sorry wrestling where, you know, sorry, do you know next email do you know who sting is, do you know who sting is yeah, from uh, WCW. Well, he was in WWE for a second and he's like out there and the bad guy is like, we're going to do this. We're not going to fight on Sunday. Instead, I'm going to give you a lot of money. You're going to get a legends deal. You're going to be able to take it real easy as long as you don't fight for the belt this Sunday. And there's this shot of Sting where he looks like he's like nodding. And then you just hear one person in the crowd go, that's a real good deal, Sting. <laughs> so I wish that guy was in the show. That's a real good deal, Rhaenyra. <laughs> just on the one of the King's Guard. Yeah. Just put like in a Monty Python way. It's actually a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Sir Stefan's over there. Like, yeah. It's kind of dope. Uh, I've heard a lot of deals in my time. <laughs> That's not the worst. Dang, uh, they get to be cup bears. Oh, our next email. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's man, like hyping I it up. To be a <laughs> our next email is a long one. Good luck, Steve. It comes in from Andrew D. Andrew D. I don't know why I said it that way. Andrew writes, what's going on, guys? It's me again, writing for the Hot D bag. Steve reading it as though Andrew is baked out of his mind. Fuck, <laughs> uh, <laughs> God. Was going to write a long-form me email for Rings of Power, but I think I missed that boat, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> as I thought I heard on your latest episode that the T-Rop mailbag was already recorded, question mark. If so, that's perfectly fine. I know I wrote you guys a ton of emails already in the series, so I figured I would follow up with a little syllabus on House of the Dragon. First off, I think Steve and Andy hit the nail on the head regarding the season finale. End of email. We got it. <laughs> he continues. If it was episode two of season two, I would have loved it. Since it was the finale of season one, however, I finished the episode feeling very meh. I think the word I used on Twitter was fart noises. <laughs> I love how there's a satisfied and then all the fart noises is the next rung down. (laughs) I just felt like it was the wrong episode to bookend season one with had season one ended with Viserys dying in his bed. I think that it would have been a much more logical place to bookmark the story. Also disclaimer, I have not read the books. So this is coming from someone who had uh, came into the show without any knowledge besides what I learned from Game of Thrones. Instead, the showrunners decided to keep building suspense, having me thinking we were going to see some epic battle scenes in the final episode, similar to all of the great battle scenes we got in Game of Thrones. Well, that didn't happen. It was an unnecessary. You didn't get any of those in season one of Game of Thrones either. Correct. Yeah. Tyrion got bonked on the head and he passed out. <laughs> remember yeah. what, remember budget when Game, concerns. Remember yeah. Game of Thrones didn't have a budget. That was an interesting. <laughs> there happened the in com- the books. There too, was though. the confrontation uh, in front of the brothel with uh, um, Eddard and Jamie, but that was just That's not like, a battle. Yeah, I mean there was. That's a, a fight. A little street. We fight. had the Stepstones war in this show. A little st- st- street fight, <laughs> which didn't happen in the books. And then Eddard Stark stepped on a guy that was like, "My lord!" And he just stepped on him right mm-hmm. outside the bar. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he continues. Uh, instead, the showrunners decided to keep building. Uh, where did I leave off? That way, someone had the great battle scenes in Game of Thrones. It was well, an unnecessary that, tease. I thought. Well, that didn't happen. It was an unnecessary tease. Now, all I can think about is how I will have to wait two years to see what Rhaenyra actually does to avenge her son. Will I care by then? Spoiler alert: I will. It's just annoying. With that being said, I still enjoyed the shit out of this first season. Mm-hmm. It was a little soap opera-y with all the garden whispering and hot goss, but entertaining nonetheless. Andy, you love the garden whispering. <laughs> I love the garden whispering. We got some great performances from Matt Smith, who has a really punchable face, I have to say, but somehow at the same time, I kind of like Damon. It's weird. Emma DeArcy and many others. Every time I saw Viserys deteriorate whenever... 
uh, they did a time jump. It reminded me of Danny McBride and Pineapple Express. <laughs> like, dude got shot in the stomach. His neck broke. Basically should have died like five minutes into the movie. And in the end, there he was in the diner with all his bandages and a bullet in his stomach, yucking it up with Seth Rogen uh-huh. and James Franco. That was Patty Considine in the show. I can't be the only one who made that comparison, right? Any hoozle. Nice. I'm excited for season two, but not excited for having to wait two years. What I'm more excited about is all the projects you guys have coming up in the near future. Last of Us, maybe more and or. Can't wait to find out. Glad to see Crossing Streams has made a comeback. I hope you guys have a great Halloween, and I hope personally you are all either in a good place or working towards getting there. My God. Ga- the ladder. You guys deserve it. Until next time, my dudes. Regards, the Drew. Actually, he just signed to Andrew. <laughs> he made a whole name up for him. The Drew. Keeping the name proud. Thank you, sir. Great email, Andrew. Thank you so much. Uh, I never made the Danny McBride. I didn't either. Myself. That might have been the first as, and is most apt. As soon as you said it, I, it gave me a chuckle. But mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, I, we talked about it on the last episode. Yeah, we've said our piece. Yeah, we've said our piece. R.I.P. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, our next email is actually a, a Patreon message read by Mr. Andy from Matt Yu. So Matt Yu writes in, so cool crossing streams is back. Man, it's like I made a wish and it was granted. If this message isn't too late for the mailbag episode, it's not. I was wondering if you guys could elaborate on who is who with the kids. I have to say the biggest thing that is bothering me with Hot D is the casting changes with the kids. I'm still confused about which of the strong boys is the oldest, which is Air, which one died. The one that died seems like the more childlike actor, but was he supposed to be the oldest? I don't like the casting for Allison's boys either. The one that was beating off in the window seemed very tall and lanky, <laughs> and now he seems shorter and even younger than his brother, who seemed who seemed to turn from a child into a full-blown man in six years. Nothing against the actors. They all did a great job, and I'm sure it was hard casting all those parts at different ages. I just don't like the progression, I guess. What are your thoughts? Uh, so the one that died is the child actor. It's... Uh, Luke, it's the Luceris. younger of the two. It's yeah. Luke, not Jace. Jace is the heir. He's the older one with the bowl cut that gets sent up to the veil. It's not a bowl cut. I mean, it's bowlish, man. It ain't good. I don't want you to confuse him it's further a, by not knowing his hairstyle. A, it's more of a Bieber than a bowl. Yeah, yeah. he's got like a emo, like a Bieber thing going on. It's, it's a do. It's a do for sure. Yeah. And, and it's not doing him any favors. So Jaceris sure. is the older one. That's Rainier's oldest child. And, uh, Lucerus Luke is the one that dies. He actually is a child actor. Like he was like under 16 and had to work shorter days on set. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they did fine. I thought it was great. I tracked them all the way through, but I mean, I'm a huge super nerd lore lover. And I think media has evolved. Here's my thoughts. Media has evolved to the betterment of things like streaming things where you kind of need us like they, and that's hold on. That sounds dumb, but we're here to fill that need before we existed <laughs> there. There's everyone else too, like not specifically us, but like, I think shows are made knowing that podcasts and, and Reddit and those kinds of things exist, right? Like the, even YouTube. the showrunners know that. Yeah. YouTube, all that stuff. They know this is going to be picked apart. They're going to find the Easter eggs. We can, you know what I mean? Like, whereas in the late nineties, you know, they weren't, they weren't making shows like Jonathan Nolan wouldn't know what to do. Right. Cause they'd be like, they're never going to fucking figure this out by themselves, man. Everybody hates the show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so with that in mind, I think, you know, you kind of, if you don't read the books a ton or, and watch every episode a bunch of times, I think you you just kind of need some ancillary media to keep track or look at like the, the uh, family tree memes and you know, the little pictures of all the kids and with names above them and who their dragons are, all that stuff. You need mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, 
I hope that answers your question. What do you I guys think? I would agree that uh, Aegon specifically is a pretty drastic change from the uh, teenager to adult. He does go from the tall, lanky, uh, like the Finn Wolfhard to the the beat off boy to uh, looking like <laughs> looking like he's part of my chemical the B-O-B, romance, the Bob, if you will, the Bob. Yeah, just dye my chemical romance his hair white, and you got him. Mm-hmm. Yep. That actor, by the way, is I think twenty seven, and Olivia Cook is twenty eight. The guy that's, that plays that's bonkers, interesting tidbit. Aegon. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Wow. And I also agree with uh, Eamon looks like a full grown ass man uh, all of a sudden. Is. And he is. Yeah. Uh, it was Ewan Mitchell. Ewan Mitchell. Uh, Ewan Mitchell. The so guy yeah. from Last Kingdom. <laughs> it's it's hard, though, because like especially this season, because they want to go from these kids to the actors who are going to play these characters for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm. They end, we end with the actors that are here to stay, right? You and Mitchell yeah. and what's the guy who plays Aegon's name? No, fuck, I don't know. Fuck boy McGee. <laughs> look no, that, that guy is not his fault. Look, <laughs> no, I know. I just look that guy up on IMDb. It's fuck boy McGee. That's the name. <laughs> Search for it. Uh, so, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's tough when you're a casting director and you're just essentially the, the, the in-between kids are in what? Like two episodes maybe. Yeah. Not and then before that, it was just nondescript babies. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so it's tough. It's, uh, Tom Glenn Carney. Tom Glenn Carney uh-huh. is the actor who plays Aegon. The second. Uh, and I think he's going to be like a big standout, like as the show goes on, I think he's great could, actor. Cause in episode nine, he really kind of like came to life. He wasn't just like the skulking Aegon in the corner. I think he really kind yeah. of brought a lot of layers to that character. Uh, so I'm looking forward to his work, but it is hard to be a casting director and like try to get these kids where they need to be to where like, oh, we know we're going to land on these dudes. Let's find the in-between child that not only can act, but bears some resemblance to them, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, yeah, because I think the, the kid that plays Aegon in the in-between, the middle section is probably a foot taller than uh, Mr. Carney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also people age weird. I mean, people don't typically grow and then drop a foot. Uh, but I, I'm speaking as three dudes that don't quite look our age. Uh, you know, uh, there are some people that are 35 that are haggard and, uh, we're not. And so like it, it, it speak for yourself, bud. It makes sense. <laughs> Dude, I'm gorgeous. What are you talking about? No, I'm so, saying. <laughs> I'm not 35. Oh, okay. I see, I see <laughs> oh, young buck coming anyway. out here with his big swinging dick. Anyway, um, all to say is that some people just look different. And so, uh, yeah, there are people that I knew in high school that I wouldn't recognize if I saw them on the street. Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just that's it's, life. It's a willing suspension of disbelief. I, I was thinking it from the tact of like, you just have to keep track. Uh, of who, if you ever see the side photos, like the, I think the casting department, in my personal opinion, did a fucking phenomenal job. Look at the side by side comparisons of Millie Alcock and Emma Darcy and oh, then yeah, Emily Carey and Allison Hightower. It's as good as it gets in like a casting world unless you find oh, yeah. actual family members or something or you're like Richard Linklater it and actually film it 10 years later <laughs> yeah, for, real. Um, for them to look as similar as they do and also have like insane acting chops. They yeah, act very it. similar. Like um, Emma Darcy and uh, Ali Alcock. Alcock. Like they even they even have that same little like cocked eyebrow thing. It's a it's called do. an Alcocked eyebrow. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the famous Millie Alcock eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's her signature. By the way, have you seen people fan casting Millie Alcock as Spider Gwen? And how fucking I love that. Other than the, I don't want her sucked in the superhero machine. Uh, how phenomenal that is. Sure. It's going to be great. I like it. <laughs> I personally fan cast, um, excuse me, excuse me, um, Mass Mickelson. Do you know you don't pronounce the D? 
in that's what people on TikTok are telling and Mads Mickelson. Oh, Mads apparently, and but I fan cast Mads Mickelson as as Magor the Cruel. If they ever do that, what do you like? We think about that. You think about that. You like that. You like that. I mean, I like that like only because I like Mads <laughs> Mickelson, but I never saw Magor the Cruel being as svelte as he is. Well, apparently he's a very handsome man. Like all the um, fan art, he's got like really short cropped silver hair, uh, white hair, and like a you know a nice cropped beard mm-hmm. and he's like a handsome man. Mm-hmm. He's like a Henry Cavill looking dude. So I want that. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but thank you for writing in. Our next email comes in from Katie. Hi, my dudes, my phone autocorrected hot D to hot dog. I'm glad I caught that because that would have been a wildly confusing email title. I would have read hot it. I would have read it so much faster. Hot dog. By the way, you can, you can cut this out if you want. I'm sorry, Katie. This, that just reminded me of something. For no reason. Did you guys see the uh, advertising offer we got in the email this morning? No. Mm-mm, no. Uh, super busty bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just see that. Okay. Yeah. Wants us to advertise for a football league of women with giant breasts, but not sexualized. Just happens yeah, I, to have. <laughs> they were very adamant. Like, this isn't for sexual reasons. It's just how they happen to look it's playing just, football. It's just cool. <laughs> And so we decided to name the league after them. Yeah. We're not going to accept that. Uh, But by the way, we're changing our names to super busty streaming things. Super busty boys. For a completely irrelevant reason. I love how we're like, we're not going to accept that ad. We'll just talk about them for free. (laughs) It's funny. We'll give them free. (laughs) Anyway, back to Katie. Anyways, great segue, Katie. I just wanted to say I've really enjoyed your hot D coverage and look forward to what y'all choose to cover next. Overall, I really loved the first season of House of Dragon. I did feel it moved a touch fast. And while I ultimately understand why, I also feel like maybe adding 10 minutes to the episodes would have benefited the story a lot. I second adding as many minutes to each episode as they can. Mm-hmm. Like more Rhaenyra and Harwin interactions. Yes. yes. More Harold Bro. Westerling. Yes. Yes. Because Graham McTavish is the absolute coolest. Yes. Fucking yes. <laughs> and as one of the five preacher fans on the planet, seeing the Saint of Killers back on screen was great. I didn't watch Preacher, so. Dang. I didn't get that reference. Uh, anyone who McTavish, is he the saint of killers? I don't know. Probably anyone who understands that reference is a real one. We Fuck, are, I want it to be a real one. No real ones on this show. No real ones. And more Lena, all caps. I agree. Mm, yep. She's a badass bitch in the book. And as much as I liked her in the show, that to me is one of the biggest letdowns of the season. Going too soon. I do really love the more intimate aspect of this series as opposed to its predecessor. I love a family drama, but you toss in political intrigue and women standing up to the patriarchy. You better fucking believe I'm here for that. Hell Absolutely. Yeah. I have also never cried harder watching any episode of television than I did watching Viserys enter the throne room back in episode eight. That's hands down same. easily. No argument. The best moment of the season for yep, me. Same, same. I see you, Chris. And I was fully, Oh, she's with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, legit. He was so- ugly crying and I caught him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, legit sobbing from the opening of the doors. And while I also really love the crown moment with Damon, none of that hit me as hard as Viserys showing up for his daughter in a way that we don't see very much from the men in this world. Having him deny the milk with the poppy knowing he'd be an unimaginable agony just to protect his child i'm you're giving me chills katie i'm tearing up right now what a remarkable moment now i will say i've had some nitpicks and questions but there is one thing that has bothered me for a while now and maybe you guys will have an answer in episode two when corliss goes to damon for help with the crab feeder he says that they both had to fight for their spot in the world because they're both second sons but we know vaymond is the second son vaymond is his nephew in the book 
Do we think it's just a weird mistake or maybe Corliss had an older brother who died and they just call Vaman the second son in a literal sense because, you know, three minus one equals two math math. Honestly, it's a dumb thing to get caught up on, but that's just the way my brain works. Again, thanks for all the work y'all do. It's very much appreciated. Katie, I can't help with that. Uh, to my knowledge, Corliss is and was always the firstborn son of his father. And so I don't recall. I do recall that line. I guess it was Corliss who delivered it. And it so was. you're right. That is a goofy thing to say. I think in the context, he was referring to the fact that the Valerians were second fiddle to the Targaryens. Okay. I think was what he okay. was. Okay. I can buy that. He was I can dig that. To. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because um, Corliss definitely didn't have an older brother. Not not that I can remember from the book. Anyway. I'm like 99,000% on that. Um, so, very good yeah. catch. He uh, does born have a brother. You see the eldest son of Lord Damon Valerian. Yes. So, yeah, he has a brother named Lucerus Valerian in the book. I believe he does. But yeah, I think I think in the context of the show, he was referring to the fact that uh, uh, Valerian was... Like a the, metaphorical the second Lester son. house. And he literally had to go out and go on these grand epic adventures to bring wealth and power. He did. They were a pretty small house own. until he made all that mun done. Yeah. It could also be like characterizing for him, kind of like how he takes like the plight of Rainey's uh, having the throne taken from her as a personal affront to him, even though it's it's he's mm-hmm. not Targaryen. He's kind of doing the same thing with Damon there where it's like, you know, you and me, we, we, us, we, we have this problem, even though it's not his problem at all. It's Damon's. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the same thing with, yeah. Rainey's. That's a fair point as well. Um, our next email comes in from, uh, Shauna H and it'll be read by Steve. Shauna H writes, hi, Chris, Andy, and Steve. Hope this isn't time for your hot deal, hot D mailbag. Congrats. It is. You've talked a lot about how the characters are all part good slash part not so good and as badass and always right as Rhaenys is when uh, she busted out during Aegon's coronation, she killed like a hundred people without showing an iota of concern because who cares about the low folk? Good on you for not letting that go unnoticed. It occurred to me that this scene could be viewed as a metaphor for modern life. Most of us, except those uh, really odd team green people, go about our daily lives as uh, notionally notionally good people, yet half of our groceries at the store are farmed, produced, and delivered by low-wage workers who have really hard lives and work in semi-abusive conditions. We are very much like Rainey's in that we think we are making good choices as she chose not to start a war as it was not her place to do so, yet the mere way we live our lives results in very poor treatment of many people. Trying not to get political here, but I am thinking of day workers who work the fields, meat factory workers, folks who take on high-risk jobs for the sake of making ends meet. In short, we are perhaps obliviously uh, stomping on the little people just like Rhaenys' dragon literally smooshed the lower class folks who had been corralled to see the coronation. Thanks for always making me laugh. Love your show so much. Please review The Last Kingdom. It's so freaking fun to watch. And thanks for mentioning it on the show or I would maybe not have seen it sincerely oh oh sincerely mm-hmm. jungle mm-hmm. oh you you can't leave out that last part uh andy do you want to read it i feel like mm-hmm. you deserve I to believe read that, that says uh hashtag team heath bar chris get a tattoo of that i gotta say <laughs> i really like shana h's email a lot of the one percenters like rainice stomping on the little guys I just have to say it's not very good that we have a dragon stomping on the people in the streets who are just trying to go out there and make ends meet for their families. The people only care about inflation. They don't care about the, the politics of the day. 
Thank you so much. I'm going to go eat a, a ham, a, a pastrami sandwich I made myself. <laughs> Where'd you buy it? I made it myself. You made, made the pastrami. <laughs> I, what, like, is it pork? Is it beef? I strangled that animal with my bare mouth. Took a bus to the farm. <laughs> I said, give me that one. Uh, <laughs> very good take. And, uh, you know, I, you said not, not to get too political. Everything's political. I yep. mean, politics is life, right? Like this is just, you're making an observation. I respect it very much. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's Game of Thrones, not musical chairs. That's right, baby. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a very good point. We all do that. Cause I mean, I, I you know, I'm currently reading this email on an iPad mm-hmm. and uh, we know how those factories are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was where my head went when we were talking about uh, people to get mistreated. Um, I, my head didn't go to like meat factory workers and stuff like that. And he's not wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, my head went specifically towards like electronics and there's an awful lot of stuff in my life that says made in China. Yeah. I and saw a tweet I know who's um, that. by a friend of mine earlier today that was saying, you know, cause Elon Musk bought Twitter and he was, he was like, Hey, I'm going to leave Twitter. So I started a newsletter, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and somebody commented, um, yeah, tweet sent on your iPhone, kind of ironic, right? Because he said, I don't want to give Elon Musk any money, right? And uh, he's like, oh, a tweet sent on your iPhone, kind of funny there, right? And, and so, and the tweeter, the original tweeter was like, yeah, I mean, you got to pick and choose, I guess, each person for themselves has to decide what their line is. It's kind of inescapable to give some asshole money somewhere on the backs of yeah, some it's, it's, shitty labor, right? It's impossible, yeah. Um, so that kind of marginally relevant. But our next email comes in from Carly B. Andy's going to read it. Carly says, hi, Chris, Steve, and Andy. Slightly new listener, first time caller. Like many, I found your podcast with the latest season of Stranger Things. Weird. And I've been hooked ever since. It's so delightful yeah. finding kindred spirits, even over the podcast airwaves, that love a good, solid deep dive into entertainment nerddom. Sadly, we're a rarer breed than trustworthy Lannister. <laughs> Any hoozle. I swung by. That first really one. has cut you I mean, can we get a shirt, Steve? Uh-huh. Can we get an Any Hoozle shirt can in the merch store? Shirt. I've been wanting to make an Any Hoozle shirt for a while. Anyway. You got to just choose the font, my guy. Any hoozle. Any hoozle. I swung by firstly to defend Chris's honor regarding the Yay. newly minted sigil of the greens. I, too, heard them distinctly describe the approaching banner as a green three-headed dragon. Suck it, boys. And went, oh, snap. That was a quick I mean, turnaround. <laughs> to myself, of course, because as stated, I lack fellow nerds to watch with. But then I remembered Otto and friends had been planning this rebellion for quite some time. And who knows how long they had some kind of black market sigil graphic designer working on <laughs> logo mock-ups so when Same you all person does him, our stickers i said nay twas indeed green loudly in my car again by myself and now that we've reached the end of hot d i'm wondering if you're planning to continue this format with any other shows perhaps some coming soon or on the horizon or perhaps you are open to suggestions wink wink nudge nudge because it just so happens that in a few weeks a sword and sorcery series sequel to the beloved decades old film will premiere on disney Plus. willow that's right i'm shooting my shot to see if y'all will watch willow with me so i can dive headlong into that series and get the weekly lockdown lowdown from my fantasy fan brother. No weekly lockdown. <laughs> so just consider Get back it. in your house, Carly! <laughs> <laughs> so just consider it, won't you? Also, wanted to say thanks for your perspectives and the, the nuance with which you handle some of the more um, delicate feminine topics depicted in Hot D. Specifically, the gory, gory, gratuitous birthing scenes and the omnipresent challenges for working mothers, even in Westeros. While misogyny runs rampant in that world, y'all's efforts to 
call it what it is, and to be sensitive to the experiences of others in this world, well, it makes a difference. Thanks again, my dudes. Carly B. Like Cardi B., but white and considerably considerably less bodacious. Oh, I am oh. sure you are no less bodacious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- to go back to that green line about the the sigils. I think we should skip it. Oh no, I have to bring it up because I think there might be confusion on my part as well as maybe everyone else's. Because the sigil is a a gold dragon on a black flag, but uh-huh. they're talking about there is a green meaning the greens dragon coming towards us um, is that what you think the context of that is because yeah, in the coronation scene it is a gold dragon his heraldry is a gold dragon uh-huh. and so i think in the show when they say the a greens dragon cart uh heraldry yeah, i think they're, they're referring to the, the green, green capital green g dragon is on our g. way yeah. yeah so not the color green dragon so you're like saying it. that mostly carly and i were correct and you were wrong i'm saying we're both right what mm. we're saying is we but if you were going to go percentages t-shirt I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the 51 and I'll take the 40. Yes. The t-shirt guys, the t-shirt. That's all that matters. I do want an any Hoozle t-shirt to be added to the merch store. Cause we got a lot of any Hoozles in here. We got support for the, let us the know fandom. if you want an any Hoozle shirt, we're going to make it regardless. Cause it's been one of the merch things I've been wanting to do for a while. I also want to make a big red newly boy shirt. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to make a, just, I'm going to draw a, an adorable, dumb looking correct season. Well, we've got a, a bunch of brilliant artists in the, that are listening right now. Probably that would just do that so much better than you. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but Oh no, no, I forgot you've been drawing on your iPad and some of those are actually incredible. Thank you. So give it a, give Thank it a go, you. buddy. Thank you. I would love to see your big red. You're noodly. basically like, it's a good idea, but fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I would love to see Steve's big red noodly boy. ASAP. Yes, I'm going to make the, uh, the Annie Hoosel shirt in comic sans now because of that. Do it in, uh, <laughs> papyrus, please. You know what you did. <laughs> That'll be a double layer. It's joke. just papyrus. But to answer Carly's other question, we are absolutely, open to other suggestions i know willow debuts sometime in november we were kind of looking forward to kind of relaxing a little bit um but we do need to cover something up. we got to keep the show going and, and i don't know how many 80s movies we can talk about before everybody <laughs> gets sick of that so the, i will never get sick of that the trick personally. is when you cover a show and the show ends up sucking then you're kind of stuck yeah. um or even if it's really good, but you don't just, you don't love it. Or if it's like, it's not getting many downloads, no one's interested. Like there's always a few thousand people that are really interested, but if it's not doing the downloads that we need it to, it's like, ah, what a tough position we're in. Right. So like, for instance, we really enjoyed the rings of power, not as much as we wanted to, uh, but those episodes get half the downloads of house of the dragon episodes. So a third of the emails, had we just been covering the rings of power, we would have been in a, in a, in a pickle. Um, so if we just start go headlong into Willow, you know, I would love, I'll be watching it for yeah, sure. I'm going to watch. There's a ton sure. of stuff coming out in November. Um, so I, that's a non-answer, but yes, we're open to suggestions. Tweet us at stream thing pod. Um, or, you know, if you're a member of the discord or, uh, absolutely yeah, email us the, anytime. I think the, the deep dive episodes that we've been doing for hot D and T Rop, we want to kind of keep it more, um, current shows. There have been some people who are like, do Lost, which I would love to do Lost, <laughs> but I don't know if we can like There's an do that. for that. Yeah. yeah. We kind of want to get that SEO, baby. Mm-hmm. There's that too. But also um, like I'd be ultimately really into like running a campaign. Like this sounds gross, but like if a bunch of people I'm were going to- I'm once again asking you to donate to Chris's campaign. <laughs> yeah. If, like if we were like, hey, if we get enough like financial support for fucking- 
mash i'll watch it you know what I mean? sure, <laughs> like, and then yeah. i work for you um but at this point it's just like 300 people in the patreon that like we just kind of listen to them and what they say on the patreon page and discord and they've had some really good ideas and so that's what we're going with but um but yeah it's got to be something we can bring in new listeners with too so mm-hmm. um gotta grow that show and i feel like and this is like inside baseball stuff but I, I i think the things that do best are like things that need to be talked about what i was talking about earlier like the evolved media that kind of needs ancillary support and that has to be with like deep lore type stuff so as much as i would love to talk about like white lotus season two a i can't get andy and steve to watch 80 percent of the shit that i watch and that's part of the problem with the show uh, you watch some whack shit. <laughs> the, the funny, you wouldn't know. The funny thing about editing and helping run a uh, TV and film podcast is that I barely have time to watch. Yeah, TV it's like ironically. <laughs> <laughs> I think out of the three of us, I'm the one who's like, I'm left behind. I'm scared. Um, but I don't even know that that would be a super fun podcast because, like, how much can we pick apart? You know, like Jennifer Coolidge, probably a lot, but you know, <laughs> speak for yourself, man. <laughs> but like the thing with Stranger day. Things is like we could find all the Easter eggs and like we knew those characters inside and out. But like there was different little games we could play with the show itself. Like, oh, that was fucking that's from Alien. That's from Under the Skin. And the like, Where's Will game. Well, like, well, that's an extra thing. So it has to be something like gold like that. Um, so because like I love yellow jackets, I love, you know, all kinds of stuff. But Willow might be one of those things. I don't know why I got real high pitched there. Willow. Willow. Well, you have think you, Joyce you, Byers oh. is going to love have that seen show. The first Willow. Yes. Many movie? times. Huge Willow. fan. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, baby. That was a revolutionary movie for uh, special effects. Many, many years ago. Back in the day, there was only so many fantasy things I could watch. And that was one of them, baby. That and Legend and Conan uh, fucking crawl. I think uh, Legend is one of the chosen episodes that we have to get to. I was steeped in Kevin Sorbo and Lucy Lawless as a kid. I love I regret Lucy Lawless. All of it. <laughs> no, I don't regret the Lucy Lawless, but I do the Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. The past couple of years have been a struggle for many of us. When you're struggling like that, it can be easy to focus on all your problems rather than the ways you can solve them. If this sounds familiar to you, maybe a therapist can change your way of thinking to become a better problem solver. Many of you know that my wife and I recently separated and I've been silently struggling through that for a while. I wanted some help dealing with the problems that situation brought, so I gave BetterHelp a try. It was honestly such an easy experience. I answered a brief questionnaire, said what I was looking for in a therapist, and before I knew it, I was paired up with a therapist of my choosing. Together, we are making goals to help get the tools I need to become a better problem solver. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, I highly recommend BetterHelp. It's easy, accessible, and most of all, affordable. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash streaming things today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash streaming things. And now a word from our sponsor. And this week it's Wondry. Go deeper into the canals of Numenor, the mines of Khazad-dûm, and more with the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. Host Felicia Day. Felicia other, Day. Yeah. Otherwise known as Nerd Royalty. The queen herself. She's from Critical Role. She was in the Guild. Yeah. She was in the Magicians. Doc- Supernatural. Dr. Horrible Singalong. Mm-hmm. Dr. Horrible Singalong. Deep cut for only the coolest of cools. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's the host, but also has special guests to provide 
an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle Earth to life. Each episode is a recipe for strong gravy. That's what Deesa would say. She absolutely would. And features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes Mm. with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you won't want to miss. We're talking Mithril. We're talking Elven lore, Valinor, maybe Numenorian. We don't know how deep they go. Hopefully not too deep. But you can listen listen to it greedily. Yeah, all right. Please don't delve too deep. So rattle your dags, quick sticks. Go <laughs> subscribe to that RSS feed. Do Ab- it now. Absolutely. Watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. Uh, <laughs> I believe our next email will be read by Steve. <gasps> Me? And it is... Isn't it Steve? Did I just go? Uh, yeah, I think so. It'll be, and no, Andy just read. He read Carly. That's right. So I will read Andrew, Andrew Q. Uh, greetings, Lords. First of all, I cannot overstate it enough how much your guys' elaborate breakdowns of each episode have added to the viewing enjoyment of Hot D. I look forward to your podcast as much as the show itself, as it truly helps in better understanding a remarkably complex and fascinating world. You guys all look at the show through slightly different lenses, which helps create multiple perspectives, all culminating in an ultimate understanding as possible. To be honest, I'd love if you guys did episodes for each season. One episode per season would do since it's unrealistic to expect you guys to do one per episode at this point. I believe Steve was just referring to this email of Game of Thrones. Anyways, that was a really good fucking opportunity for you to use any hoozle, Andrew. Uh, two questions. <laughs> one, is it feasibly possible for a single <laughs> to claim multiple dragons such as Daenerys does in Game of Thrones? Or does she technically only ride Drogon? Two, what are you most looking forward to in season two of House of the Dragon? Are there any other possible direct pulls from Game of Thrones? We will see in season two. Into it. Fan service or otherwise. Daggers, Red Women, Danish Dragon Eggs, Long Claw, etc. Y'all the <laughs> Y'all the best. Y'all the best. P.S. needs some more to be breaking down the child fights of episode nine since he wasn't able to attend that original podcast. Andrew of House just trying to make the pod. And you made it, baby. You made it. Uh, my microphone fell in the middle of that. That's why I laughed so much because it was like. I, <laughs> it, I was like a, it wasn't boy. the British accent. I had to go with it. Uh, so the question one. Um, will we be breaking down each season of Game of Thrones on here? Probably not, but visit the last discussion. Maybe yeah. uh, we've actually that talked be, about Game of Thrones before on the show. That might be a fun thing to do. Like maybe, you know, in the build up for next. Yeah. Season, like rewatch be. all of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I'll fuck around and find dude, out. I'll, I'll, dude, I'll, I'll <laughs> just give me an scale. excuse to watch Game of Thrones again. Give me it. Let me watch Daenerys again. I dare you. Um, I would love to do that. Actually, let's make that a goal. If we get a, a million dollars. <laughs> Why did Andy go straight Dr. Evil? <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if en- I don't know. If enough patrons want it, yeah, we have a thousand yeah. patrons and they all want it. Sure. Well, like I said, we work for them. We'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. I'm talking to anything for the patrons. Anything. 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 Uh, anyways, number two. Uh Is it feasibly possible for a single individual to claim multiple dragons? Um, I don't think so. 
Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of it. I, I, one individual claiming multiple, maybe, but there is a problem with Canon and the current show, uh, a decision that house of the dragon made. That's why I brought, kept this email in so we could talk about that. Daenerys is a unique case because dragons have been extinct for 150 years and she's the mother of dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then she only pretty much rides Drogon. She's got right. that special connection with Drogon. Is that what you're going to say, Steve? Yeah. John rides Rhaegal. I believe it's Rhaegal. And then uh, Viserion. Viserion. Viserion doesn't get a rider. In the books, everybody thought it would be Tyrion. Yeah, there was this big theory that Tyrion would be the third dragon rider, but that didn't happen in the show. Um, And so there is an issue with House of the Dragon because as far as canon is concerned, um, a dragon won't allow anyone else to ride it until its rider dies. That bond is broken. And so since Laenor is technically alive, actually very quite literally alive, Essos... Uh, will anybody be allowed to ride sea smoke? And we're not going to spoil it, but somebody's supposed to be allowed to ride sea smoke. So that's an interesting thing that everybody's kind of wondering, is he going to come back and then just die in a different way? Yeah, I have a, a theory on that, but I can't really dip into it without spoiling things. So sure. I want to hear this. Thing. I know we talked. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we decided to do this to talk about like our predictions of going if we're forward. Not- if we're not um, super crazy like late on time, we could do like a book spoiler section. I know sure. some listeners have asked for that, but, mm-hmm. but that um, won't be till the end of the episode, but I, I do have a theory on why that happens, but it is, it is an issue because yeah, in, in the, in the conventional lore of the books, a, a dragon has one rider and they're psychically bonded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why a lot of times, like even in uh, the show game of Thrones, like Drogon would go fuck off and do his own thing, but he would always come back at the opportune time when Danny was in trouble and save her. Like uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he, yep. uh, she was his Mary Jane. She's Gwen Stacy. Oops. Oh, no. Uh, anything Marty B wants to say about the child fights of episode nine? I do have something to say, actually. So the reason why I didn't see this fight was because I was scouting some new recruits for my own league. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into the physical children fighting. I mean, filing sure. their teeth into razor sharp claws. Uh, it's barbarian. Why can't we just have them? fight each other in their own mind palaces and mindscapes. Mm-hmm. That's that is real sports. I mean, this is this is just awful. You might as well just give those kids uh, you might they might as well be juicing. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one thing that Marty B cannot stand for, and that's steroids. Mm-hmm. Just give him LSD like a regular human being. That's right. God, that's right. God damn. That's you know the first time I've ever agreed with you, Dr. Brenner. I appreciate that. Well, a broken clock. our next email comes from nt read by our very own steve nt uh they write hello i am a recent fan and really enjoying the coverage of hot d in both game of thrones and hot d george rr martin and the showrunners have done an amazing job creating and portraying some of the most hateable characters in tv game of thrones had a murderer's row we had king joffrey ramsey bolton walter frey blah 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 the list goes on when it comes to hot d a who do you hate the most so far and why is it bitch boy Kristen cole (laughs) (laughs) that's great b do we have more hateable characters to come in the upcoming seasons haven't gotten that far in the books yet c can you each give us a top three hated characters from either game of thrones or hot d as you have said the people who do as as you have said the people do love a good ranking keep up the awesome work uh and his his name's nate uh and nate um he brings up a good point. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter post this and I thought it was so 
uh, apt. And it was like Game of Th- uh, the one thing you can't take away from Game of Thrones is that they do have some really hateable characters that you love to hate because there's almost it's almost personal. Like you hate this character mm-hmm, so much. Sure. It's, it's almost a visceral like the audience like, no, no, no. Fuck that guy. Like, Ramsey and Walter Frey. Like Joffrey. All the ones yeah. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tywin. I, don't, I wouldn't I, say Tywin's in I that. Love, I love Tywin. Yeah. I hate Tywin. <laughs> Charles Tywin. Dance crushes it. Oh, yeah, he does. I love to hate him. <laughs> Why would you say you hate Charles Dance? <laughs> but to answer the first question, because Kristen Cole's a bitch boy, you answered it in your question. It's definitely Kristen Cole. Yeah, he, he he's a fuck boy. And he, he's just uh, super salty that he got shot down. Because the, the queen won't give up her throne to run off with uh, the hedge knight. Uh, it's like, you know. And he committed a hate crime just for the shits of it yes. and got away with it. And there's, then, a, there's also an added layer of the fact that he's, he's also like a big fucking hypocrite. Like he's, he, there's something very hateable about his character that modern day, like our present day worldview, like can relate to. Cause you got those guys yeah. who are like, Oh yeah, I'm a real nice guy. I'm just a real nice guy. I love women. <laughs> I love women. She's a cunt. Yes. Like, like those type of dudes exist everywhere. And he's like the perfect embodiment of that. Um, Women I'm, are the embodiment of the mother and should be spoken of, revered as such. Yeah. Cunt. Ten. <laughs> five minutes later. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I agree. The answer is Kristen Cole. I'm trying to think like, uh, is there anybody? Even, even Otto Hightower, who's very smarmy, sells off his daughter. Um is is much more understandable and less like i don't just objectively hate him in that manner Mm -hmm. um do we have more hateable characters coming yes 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 can you each give us the top three hated characters in either game of thrones or house of the dragon uh i would say in the show ramsey for sure um and definitely walder frey for obvious reasons but i'm gonna throw ollie out there Oh, Ollie. Okay. Especially Ollie in the sucks. books when I didn't know Ollie does for five, six years that uh, John was going to come back. Um, yeah. That was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> you piece of shit, Ollie. Uh, anybody else got any some, some names to throw out there? Your top three? Uh, I'll throw in Craster. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause he's just kind of a gross, yeah, he sucks. Misogynic dude who just kind of kills his own kids. And yeah. it's, it's, he's, it's fucking weird. Worst dad of all time has got to be Craster. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> makes I, I wouldn't look like father of the I year. Mean, he, he makes Stannis look like father of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite game of Thrones memes. It was the photo of Stannis and what was his wife's name? I forget. I forget his wife. Um, no, Shireen's his daughter. Yeah, Shireen's his daughter. Ah, I forget. I forget. But so it's Stannis' wife, and it's the shot of them watching as they burn Shireen. But someone photoshopped Stannis holding a mug that says "Father of the Year." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Celise Florence. She's uh, at House Florence. That's right. Yeah, Celise. Um, let's see. I would throw Littlefinger into the mix. I, I really. I, oh, I, I love. You hate Littlefinger. Yeah. Again, I I love to hate him. Huh? Like he he has fair points and that's maybe what makes me hate him more. You know, if you're just like a full on black and white evil dude, it's like, okay, fine. But like if, if some small part of me is like, you got a point, then I hate you even more because I see a little bit of myself in you Mm. and you're not a good person. I'd Uh, like to see a lot of me and Aiden Gillen. 
<laughs> all of them. <laughs> uh, I, I would also, I want to echo Joffrey just cause yes. that was like the quintessential, like loved, like that was someone, He's the worst shit in the seven kingdoms. He is the <laughs> worst shit in the seven kingdoms uh, by far. Like, uh, and like, uh, I think will patron will, well, he's doing a game of Thrones rewatch and he messaged us in the discord today. Like just watch the purple wedding holds up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just kicked your dog. I'm I'm the worst shit in the seven kingdoms. Truly. (laughs) Our next email comes in from Dominic a read by Andy. So Dominic first gives us a little quote here. He says the things I do for love. Uh, Jamie by Lannister. Jamie Lannister, my favorite character from Game of Thrones. Mm. So Dominic wrote us a novel, but uh, I'm, I'm going to pick out some parts. Dominic writes, hey, fellas, love the show. Look forward to listening to you guys, no matter what you're covering. Thanks. Man. Thanks. This occurred to me last week while thinking about the Game of Thrones universe, and I had to share. We could debate about this, but I think most people today would say that the Harry Potter universe has a stranglehold on the story is really all about the power of love theme. It's the power of of love. <laughs> this is a hot D email, so I'm not going to go over all the reasons why, but anyone even remotely familiar with the Harry Potter universe knows what I'm talking about. We do. Mm-hmm. That being said, while the Game of Thrones universe isn't typically thought of in that way, I contend that it is ultimately a story about love, the things we do for love, and the consequences that unfold because of love. The Game of Thrones universe is all about love. We love love. And not just for romantic love either. And then he goes on to say, the Jamie Lannister line, the things I do for love, hit me. The last line of the first episode that introduced the world, well, for most of us, to the Game of Thrones universe, the things I do for love. That's it. That's the story. The entire George R.R. R. Martin creative universe is motiva- motivated by and deals with the things we do for love and the consequences of those choices, the things we do for love. This, it could be the subtitle to the series. What do you think? Am I totally off base? Am I ready to forget the power dynamics, the sex position, the wheel, the ambition, and the living versus the dead and say this story, this universe, is truly entirely about love? Move aside, Harry Potter. You aren't the you aren't the story about you aren't the story about the power of love. Game of Thrones is. Dominic. Oh, Dominic's from Kentucky. Hell yeah, Dominic. Same. Same. Um yeah, I, I, I well, wanted you to read this email, well, Andy, for reasons. Well, um, you make solid points, and I love Game of Thrones. I love Game of Thrones, but I love Harry Potter, too. <laughs> it's a toss-up. What do you guys think? Which one's more the true story of love? I think Harry Potter is much more blatantly um, almost... Uh, reductively about that at the end, right? It's a, it's a children's story ultimately. Whereas mm. Game of Thrones most definitely is not, even though I read it as a child. Um, <laughs> I like Dominic's worldview on this and I want to, I just don't, I don't. Hmm. I would argue that Game of Thrones is the things I do for power, not the things I do for love. Although love is often one of the things that, you know, yeah, I think into it's the things you do. I think there's it's much more about the darker nature of ourselves. And uh, I, I, like Andy kind of said, you know, it's more about um, things that we see in ourselves that we'd rather not see. And that's what's so damn delicious and interesting about Game of Thrones. And um, I think, um, you know, like he's always, you know, killed off main characters and tried to be a, a realistic fantasy writer. Right. And I think on the other side of that coin, yes, it all it is all based on passion and love. But at the same time, 
I think he finds it much more interesting to explore like our, our darker natures. And that's why a lot of these storylines don't pan out because you, nothing, the moral of that story is nothing good comes from pursuing those darker natures. For instance, the, the evidence I would have of that is there's this meme going around, you know, a lot of people ship, uh, Rhaenyra and Damon, for instance, right. And people find themselves disgusted at themselves for like shipping them. Like, oh my God, I watched this TikTok video earlier and it's a woman watching the show and it cuts to the very earliest scenes of Damon and Rhaenyra. Um, Ooh, incest is fucking gross. And it's like a script on the screen and then cuts back to a little later scene of Damon and Rhaenyra. And it was like, uh, oh, it's her uncle, uh, but I kind of like him. Right. And then it's a scene of them in the brothel and they're about to, they're kissing and uh, it's her like, that's so fucking hot. I mean, it's not like they're siblings. And then it cuts, <laughs> it cuts to them like married or having sex later on. It cuts back to the woman and she's like, I mean, I get it. They got to keep the bloodline pure. And, <laughs> and like, that's the progression of thought of this. And I, I think that that's, that's funny, you know, but also like a truism about like, not that everyone who likes the show likes incest, but what I'm saying is it, it, it asks you to kind of, uh, morally do gymnastics to mm-hmm. love some of these characters. And um, I don't know if that made any sense whatsoever. I, I don't, I don't believe that it's this cut and dry or that, that George R. R. Martin is that um, sentimental in that regard. But I like your argument, if that makes sense. I don't know, save me, Steve, Randy. Well, he, I, th- I think um, they, they do that. We skipped over a part where they kind of list a bunch of different examples that kind of support their claims, such as the Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark getting together to create um, Jon Snow. Uh, and then <laughs> the the uh, I, I like the one that he mentions about Theon does all the horrible things he does because he wants to be loved by his father. But sure. eventually he's able to break free from imprisonment and become a better person because of his love for the Starks. And I think. And, and I think, yes, love is an incredibly mm. important part of this story in this it's world. It's a huge motivating factor yeah. for a lot of the characters. Yeah, but also that's what love is, baby. Mm. It's, a lot, <laughs> it's a big motivating factor for just, you know, human beings in general mm. and relationships. And those are always important. And I, and like you kind of said, Chris, I do think Harry Potter is much more like lasered focus and always oh, got a mark on his head because of a mother's love. And mm. it's the, very spelled out. Thematically, Harry spelled Potter Thematically, Harry Potter is essentially if you surround yourself by love, then you can overcome evil like that. If you right. boil it down into one sentence, it's that. And wizardry and shenanigans ensue, but it's ultimately be a good person, surround yourself with people that you love. And, and Game of Thrones you. is like, I kind of want Voldemort to win, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I kind of want to fuck him. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which some people may feel that way about Harry Potter. I don't know. I'm not judging. We're not king shaming here. Harry Potter. The <laughs> <laughs> boy who lived. <laughs> Come to, to die. die. Our next email comes in from Sean C and it says, Hey, streaming things game. I love Sean. Sean He's been on the show before. He has. I know there's been a lot of talk about Sir Kristen's seemingly abrupt transition from being a cool dude to being a bit of a misogynistic jerk. A bit. (laughs) I agree. He is definitely an unlikable character at this point. And I think his journey is destined for some sort of villain's end. However, I would argue, like all House of the Dragon characters, there's a lot of nuance to his story and situation that people are not acknowledging or noticing. In this world, Sir Kristen is a common born knight who was given a great opportunity by Rhaenyra as a member of the Kingsguard to get in her pants. I 
added that part. <laughs> he found a lot of meaning and purpose in this uh, that he didn't have before. He's very much a man who tries desperately to stick to his principles and good graces when he is given direction. When Rhaenyra has sex with him, it placed him in a difficult position where he was offered the choice to rebel. And that's what rebellions do. They, re- <laughs> they rebel, Jenner. So 2020, whatever trailer. When he took it, he decided to take the choice a step further and offer her to come with him when Rhaenyra refuses and then says she has to stay and marry for duty yet wants to be, uh, him to be her side hoe to Sir Kristen. It feels like a slap in the face to him. It may appear as if she coerced him into giving up his direction and values into rebelling only to then say she wants to stick to values and what is expected of her to him. She may look two faced. I think Sir Kristen has gone downhill mentally since that moment due to his moral dilemma and conflict he finds himself in, leading to the killing of Lenor and his near suicide. I now find myself in an intersect in an interesting position. I'm grateful Allison saved him, but I feel he has become a new villain, groomed and manipulated by her into a corrupted knight. I feel bad for him. I do think, however, there are two possible ends for him. He will die at Rhaenyra's hand, or he will too late realize how much Allison has manipulated him and will be killed by someone on her side of things. A sort of poetic irony. So like the Kristen Cole is Vader lifting up Alicent and throwing her down no. <laughs> while she's electrocuting him with her powers. <laughs> that, I kind of want to see that. I now. made all that up. It's a really cool movie I should make. I, um, I think he means killing of Joffrey Lawnmouth. Uh, yeah. Yes, he did. Um, I, I, I love you, Sean. Um, and I think you have a lot of good points about how, yes, Kristen Cole is a nuanced character. I don't agree that in the show, at least that he's being gaslit or, or manipulated by Alicent. No, um, he's not coerced. There's no like, stay away from me. Jezebel moment. I do think as, as Andy pointed out, Alicent knows she's, uh, he's sexually attracted to her and she does use that. Um, as I think she's, um, not allowed not to be blamed for doing, for using every advantage she can as a woman in this world. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the same that I don't fault her at all for selling her feet pics to Laris. I'm like, good on you, girl. Get that bag. Get that, mm-hmm. get that info mm-hmm. any way you can. Um, and I also think my take on Kristen Cole is like, I understand what you're saying, uh, but it would be nothing if the not to be this guy. But if the roles were reversed and he was uh, the prince who was uh, heir apparent and she was like a, a low born lady, um, it would be like the easiest thing in the world for everybody to imagine that she just remains his side piece. Right. The paramour and the secret. In fact, most men in this universe have those. And yet because Rhaenyra is like, hey, why don't we just keep fucking? But you be sh- quiet. Cause I got shit to do. I'm going to be queen. Mm. Now it's like, what, what am I your whore? And that's where he's a hypocrite. He's a fake feminist because it's like, yeah, uh, you know, sure. If that's With, what you, if you want to put labels on it, yeah, you're not allowed to have sex anyway. You're my guardian. So you actually get to do that and you get to have sex, which is dope. Uh, and you're just being really jealous and, and insecure about this arrangement that would be very acceptable if our gender roles were reversed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do. Cause we talked about it at the time that this happened when they, when they had sex. Um, I, I do empathize with him, especially in that moment, because it's something like he is kind of coerced into doing it, but he ultimately decides to have that relationship with her. Um, and, and one thing that I think is it, a lot of people are kind of missing out on, and, I'm, and you might've touched on it, Chris at the time or not. I can't remember, but a lot of people are kind of missing out on, but I think it adds this really, really good wrinkle to the, the trifecta if you will, of Rhaenyra, Cole, 
and Allison is when Allison is like, hey, did you have sex with Damon? That's gross. And she's like, no, I didn't. And she didn't say it, but I did have sex with Kristen Cole. Correct. Everybody says that Rainier lied, but she didn't unless you count a lie by admission. Well, even still, if she were to say I had sex with Kristen Cole, that's a fucked up thing to do because yeah, she was that's essentially him. saying, yeah, this guy broke his oath. Go kill him. She's Cut his pre- nuts off and send him to the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there is, you know, in no small part is she protecting herself and sure. lying by that, but she's also protecting him. Mm-hmm. And she clearly at that moment does care for him and likes him a lot. And so I think that it adds an interesting wrinkle that Kristen Cole is in a position where he's in because of Rhaenyra a lot. Like she, put him in that position. She essentially saved him from being killed. And then Allison also saved him from being killed probably as well after he beat the tar out of yeah. Joffrey Long. Yeah. That's why he fell for her. I mean, he, she saved him from killing himself. Yeah. And, um, and, and like, he, so he is a layered character. I'm yeah, not doubting that at 100%, all. 100%. But there is a point where he does, you know, he, ha- he is a person who has agency in his own story and he, t- he took the real hard turn to just being just the spurned, jilted ex-boyfriend who just yeah. won't let it I mean, it, it took go. a long time for him to get that armor off. So he made that decision about 600 times. About 15 minutes. He had every opportunity. And ultimately, he wasn't upset that he was coerced into sex and that he broke his vows. He was upset that after doing that and then he then propositioned her about running away together that she turned him down. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it became a problem for him. So it's not a question of like, did I betray my vows? Did I do something wrong? It's no, you got shot down when she didn't want to be your side piece in Pentos. And like. And, what and, you, and now you're upset about that. What you, how are you going to hide with a dragon? All right. You're She's bringing Cyrax. Sorry. We should stop saying that. What are you going to, what are you going to feed? <laughs> what are you going to feed that thing? What are you going to feed Cyrax? I feel like he on, fell for a popper's mm-hmm. payroll. He fell for a classic mistake that I learned about first in the philosophical text of 40 year old virgin. I knew you were going there. <laughs> he put the pussy on a pedestal, you know, and that's, <laughs> That was just a bit. I had to commit to the bit and get that out there. I love it. Um, I love it. But yeah, I mean, I, he definitely is a layered character and we mostly just pick, poke fun at him. It's not like I don't have any like, well, I think it's, a, I, it's a very interesting character for sure. Yes. I do like that. He's there. And um, I'm interested to see when you do f- find out what happens to Kristen Cole, how you'll react to it. Me too. Me I'm too. excited to see how they pull it off. Our next email comes in from uh, Miriam E. And I believe I'm reading this, right? Uh, Hello, streaming things, friends. I've been thinking a lot about the saying, every time a new Targaryen is born, the gods toss the coin in the air and the world holds its breath to see how it will end. (gasps) I feel like this came up a lot in Game of Thrones, but hasn't been mentioned in House of the Dragon at all. Does this come up in Fire and Blood at all? Does this saying originate later in the history of Westeros? Would love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, when this might canonically appear and how it relates to some of the characters. Thanks so much. Love the pod. Miriam. Thank you for writing in Miriam. Um, I think this is a little too early before that phrase to begin. It is. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, there's a couple of pretty unhinged Targaryens that come after this and this partly because of the dance of the dragons, like fucking up the bloodline and stuff. But, uh, it's mad King Eris where that really becomes a thing. Uh, cause he was off his rocker and Magor was, was pretty nutso, but at but, the time, but really during the, uh, this story, Magor is really the only f- bad, cruel King really. Correct. Uh, cause you got Aegon, then Magor. Aenys was just weak. Yeah. Um, Jaehaerys was great. Yeah. Um, Viserys was in the show. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, uh, it, it does come later. And I think it's hammered home so much in game of Thrones to kind of foreshadow Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can agree or disagree with what happened to her. Um, but yeah, I think that that's ultimately something that's really a game of Thrones conceit to lead to Daenerys and, uh, hasn't really occurred. Yeah. There hasn't been as much incest yet for them to, you know, get the genes all baked up. We yeah, still got, got a few hundred years. Yeah. You got a few hundred more years of incest to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Scientifically <laughs> speaking, our next email comes in from Elliot M and Steve will be taking the ropes. Elliot writes, my dudes, I may be a little late as writing from the UK, but hoping to catch your hot email bag episode. Congrats, man. You love made the it. show and I've been, you got to do it that way. Cheerio. <laughs> uh, love the show and have been a weekly listener to your hot DNT ROP episodes. I have not read fire and blood, so you may refute my theory here. However, in episode eight, Damon is excited by a clutch of dragon eggs from Cyrax uh. and mentions that she has placed them in the warming chambers. He also mentions the these eggs contain, or he, he mentions these eggs again in the finale. I note that there are three eggs. Do these eggs hatch or do they remain hidden and dragonstone for hundreds of years? Are these eggs ultimately the eggs Daenerys Targar- Targaryen is gifted on her wedding to Khal Drogo, i.e. Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal? Would be a cool callback to the Game of Thrones show as I don't think it was ever mentioned where Daenerys's eggs came from other than that they were gifted by Ilario. Uh, look forward to hearing Hearing your thoughts, Elliot. There, well, so in the books, it is hinted at that the eggs, but not come, confirmed, but not confirmed. And I could see the showrunners changing yes, it to where, to where exactly. this is. They are setting I, this up. I think he just had Damon. I don't even know that those three eggs are going to be necessarily the ones, but I think they they showed him finding three eggs in general to like call back to those eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but go on, Steve. Uh, well, you might have to help me here because I. It's uh, Alyssa Farman. Alyssa Farman, yes. Yeah. So Alyssa Farman was the, the, the favorite of the lesbian uh, lover. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, oh, they're best friends. They just have lived together for twenty years. <laughs> they're <laughs> the same right. sex. Uh, so the favorite Alyssa Farman of uh, Raina Targaryen. I believe it was Raina. Raina, who is the namesake of the show's Raina. So I believe mm-hmm. it's is it Rainice's aunt. Aunt. I want to say. Yeah. So it's so. Uh, Reyna Targaryen, so Aegon the Conqueror had a son, Aenys, who was mm-hmm. supposed to take the throne, and he was married to his sister, Reyna, right? Do I have that? History? I believe so. And, uh, and bad things happened to uh, to uh, Aenys, and so Reyna has this really, really captivating story where she kind of goes to you know, far she flies off on her dragon, she flies off on her dragon. And she has like a which bunch of dream fire. I think dream fire will be egg on the second dragon. And, um, she's going around and she's had this really fun story where she's like meeting all these friends. She's basically got like a whole troop of people and they're her favorites. But then like, there's this real big tragedy at one point, but Alyssa Farman was her favorite. Like they were clearly like lovers. They loved each other. But Alyssa Farman comes from a seafaring house and she's all about like, she's a fucking pirate. It's awesome. Yeah. She's like, I really, the sea is calling me. I can't just stay here on Dragonstone with you. I'm, I'm going stir crazy. And she's like, no, please don't leave me. So Alyssa Farman through a series of events steals three eggs. She's like, Hey, I need you to buy me a boat. And Raina says no. Yeah. So she steals the eggs, goes to, um, Essos. Essos and sells those eggs to build herself a ship so she can go on her and then her she travels all, sun all over the world yeah, yeah she's the first one to go west of westeros yeah um 
but we, and we don't know what happens to Alyssa Farman, but, and then, uh, Raina Targaryen has like a really, really sad story from that point out. And mm-hmm. it's one of the, it's one of my favorite parts of the book is Raina Targaryen. Alyssa Farman's story. my favorite character. Alyssa Farman is awesome, but it's implied in the books that those three eggs that Farman steals from Raina are the three that eventually end up. Yeah, because she sold three eggs in West in Essos, and so it's like if those are not Daenerys's eggs, where the fuck are those eggs? And Mm -hmm. so it it kind of has to be them, right? But Um, I could definitely see them in the show making this connection. Yeah, Yeah. if they're never going to do an Alyssa Farman story, then yeah. Um, so yeah, hope that helps. Uh, our next email comes in from Kristen M and it is read by our very own Andy. Kristen writes in, hi from Massachusetts. Hello. My name is Kristen and I love your podcast so much. Thank you all for keeping me company on my daily walks with my baby while she naps in the stroller. Chris used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Walking a little, little baby around the parking lot. I couldn't ask for a better group of friends who I'd, who I'd, I couldn't ask for a better group of friends who don't know I exist. Well, now we do. We know about you now. We see you. We peeping. Not sure if it's too late to write in for the hot D-mail bag, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if not, it's not. I was wondering if you could explain how Lucerus slash Luke's death goes down in the books. Was it clear that Eamon was the perpetrator? And if so, did it appear deliberate? I'm just so curious to know how it was explained by George R.R. Martin. Thank you for the amazing content. I'm so glad I discovered you guys during Stranger Things 4. Sent from my iPhone. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> uh, well, again, we want to stress that uh, it was written by Maester Gildane mm-hmm. uh, from the accounts of Septon Eustace, mostly Septon Eustace and Mushroom. Translated um, by George R.R. Martin. Yeah. Uh, and so I think Orwell has some pages, too, that he references. I as well. think. And so in the book, what happens on that account is that, first off, a lot of people asked after the show, uh, how does Damon and Rhaenyra find out about it so quickly? In the books, three days later, bits and pieces of Arax washed up at Storm's End and presumably the message was sent to Rainier from there. Um, but the body of, of Lucerus um, Mushroom says that he took the beheaded version of Luke and plucked out one of his eyes and took that with him and sent that to Rhaenyra. That's what Mushroom said. And Septon Eustace said that just bits and pieces of the dragon washed up. So and either and way, Mushroom is like usually like the one, Oh, that's probably a bold face lie or a little way exaggerated. Yeah. Way exaggerated. Um, so we can surmise from both of those accounts that Amond intentionally killed Luke. Right. Well, there's, there's also the story where when they run into each other at storm's end, there mm-hmm. are the four storm daughters, of, yeah, they're like the storm wives or storm girls. It's, 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 it's <laughs> the daughters of Boros. And you get a little yeah. bit of that in the show where he yeah, says, they, they Aemon's going to marry one of my girls. What are, what are you going to do? Who are you, which one are you going to marry? And he says, well, none. I'm, I'm engaged. I can't do that. Mm. And uh, when Luke leaves, one of them turns to Aemon and says, do you take your balls as well as one of your eyes? And in a rage, then he chases after right. Yeah, because uh, I think that particular one was hit, like was interested romantically in Eamon and Eamon was like, nah, mm-hmm. not my type. And so she kind of was like, I like saying that, that to that give a little. Show. Yeah, I like they did, too. I, but it's meant to be like a little dig. Like, oh, we take your balls, too. And right. so he leaves like, oh, I'll show you. I'll get his balls. Mm-hmm. I'll get I'll get my balls back. Yeah, I'll take them both down. Storm girl. <laughs> so. I love the way he says, give me that eye bastard or whatever he says, like the. The way he pronounced it's very funny. In the Boston. Show. I think uh, it's really easy to uh, the genius of George Martin with fire and blood is like, it's so easy to imagine like in our real actual timelines history, if something like this happened, like barring the dragons, right. Um, it would be impossible like 
300 years later, 200 years later to uh, like believe the fact that it wasn't intentional that he did that. Right. Like it would be told that Amon killed Luke. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's just fact yeah, he, of he history. Wanted to, he wanted Absolutely. to pluck out his eye. He yes. didn't. So he got because the last thing any witnesses him. saw was him leaving angrily to chase him. Then the kid's dead. Bum, 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 bum. Like that's all history is going to know is that you went and killed him. Right. And so I love that. And I love the fact that this is not a canon change. This is just more details into what went down, what went down and like a more interesting version character wise for Amond, because like now we get to see him possibly break bad instead of just being born evil, which is really boring. Right. Um, so I hope that helps. And that's what happened in the books. <laughs> the books. <laughs> our, our next email comes in from Alexis E. Hi, boys. Longtime listener. First time emailer. Welcome. Love you. Love your show. Love you, too. I haven't read the books. And since you're the only hot D podcast I'd listen to, obviously, perhaps everyone else is already saying this. But just in case you all find it interesting, I'd love to hear your thoughts on my little theory. It appears to me that Hot D was drawing attention to the psychic bond between Ryder and Dragon in the finale, especially while Rhaenyra was giving birth to her stillborn child. They cut to Cyrax roaring. That was a scene I was trying to remember when I, I said there's multiple instances of psychic connection in this story. Oh, in yeah. this episode, that was it. Cyrax going crazy when she was giving birth, which seems to intimate that Cyrax could feel her physical and or emotional pain. Then in the draw drop drop. Jaw dropping dragon chase scene. We see Luke clearly and repeatedly tell RX not to attack Vagar, but he does anyway. And then we see Aemon very clearly tell Vagar not to attack RX, but he does anyway. It made me wonder if the dragons didn't listen to the writer's verbal commands because they were acting more on the writer's fear and anger. Absolutely. Uh, Vagar is like to uh, five times bigger than RX, and most animals don't fuck around with something that's much larger than them unless they have a secret weapon or are magic. Like the honey badger. Honey badger don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> honey badger don't care. Given what Rainier is bastard. I love that video. <laughs> Given what Rainier has said earlier in the episode about the whole world burning when dragons were involved in the war, and knowing from your pod that this fight isn't detailed in the books, I'm betting that the showrunners depicted it this way to lay the groundwork for how unmanageable and unyielding dragons can and will be in the coming war. Imagine the fear, rage, horror, despair, bloodlust, the myriad of emotions felt by soldiers in the midst of battle paired with unpredictable humongous fire breathing carnivore again i haven't read the book so i don't know if the dragons go apeshit during the war maybe they do and this isn't a hot take but just in case they don't i'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on this theory thank you for your time and consideration p.s your podcast has made watching tv infinitely more enjoyable thank you for being amazing Thank you for being amazing and Thank listening you, to us. I don't think it's going to be a huge plot point going forward for a ton of the dragons. Personally, I do think it's that they're re- uncontrollable. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. I do think it's a really good characterization to remind you how young and uh, unseasoned both Aemond and Lucerus are. They don't have complete control of these dragons. It also serves that dragons aren't in general to be completely controlled ever. Uh, even Daenerys, mother of dragons, loses control of Drogon on occasion a little bit throughout the books and her learning how to bond completely with him um, and the, the show itself, too. So. Um, that's my take on that. It was, it was, a, it was a brilliant way to show that they're cyclically bonded. Yes. But also show that Aemon and Luke aren't ready for this shit. Uh, they're not dragon riding Targaryen warriors. They're kids. And Vagar's like, 
Same shit, different day. Shut Another up. person to kill. What do you mean, obey you? It's like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> My rider was Vicenia. You only got one eye. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't want me to kill that thing? Why don't you just go bite it? She's smoking shot? a cigarette. <laughs> Let me tell you what, when, when Vicenia would ride me, holy shit, burn everybody in town. You want me to kill this kid? No. Ah, fucking pussy, come on. <laughs> Where's Lena? That bitch knew how to party. That's how Vagar talk. <laughs> Lena, that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm here stuck with this little prima donna on my back. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you back there. To Iris, my ass. To Iris. You didn't want me to kill him? Then why the fuck are we up here? You woke me up. Oh, fuck. I got IBS. I got to go take care of this shit. You got me flying in a storm. Oh, God. My knees are going to my joints. I told you a storm was coming and you'd ride me to Storm's End. This fucking kid, I swear. You think I look like a title for nothing? Uh, <laughs> you can't no, be I, Mr. Poiple. There's a guy at another job named Mr. Poiple. I do think they are laying down a little bit of the groundwork that um, the dragons are. Because, I mean, even like in the beginning, uh, Vizzy T, uh, Viserys says something like, you know, we should, the, the dragons are a power we should not have trifled with. Mm-hmm. The the, the illusion that we're dragon masters is that it's an illusion. Sure. Right. Um, and I think there are some things that are going to be happening. I hope it happens in season two. Cause it'd be cool. But I think that's going to kind of lead into the fact that, you know, trying to tame a dragon is foolish. And yeah. There's a bunch of dragons yet still to be tamed. There's, uh, Oh, there'll be tons of that. That's true. Andy Damon named name dropped a couple of them. Didn't he? And in, in the finale. Yeah. Uh, that we so. talked about, the cannibal and uh he said Vermithor. Vermithor. And then there's uh Well there's Sheep Stealer. Great ghost. Yeah. We're so we're gonna get we're gonna get a bit of that and you're gonna see There are some out. wild literal wild dragons. He, yeah. he did, I don't think he name dropped them. He said there's some wild dragons as well. Is that what he said? Okay. And then in the show we talked about them. But yeah, so in that way, yes, from those writers, we will see stuff that that she's and talking about. What do they call the uh new dragon writers in the book? I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, I forget. Uh there's a special, like, I know what you're talking about, seedlings. seedlings. I think it's yeah. seedlings. Is it seedlings? Okay. But, uh, but, but say not all people that aspire to be a seedling are one. Yeah. And I mean, when, there are going to be some epic battles that are coming in regards to like their armies and then dragons just fuck shit up. And it's like, yeah. what's the point of having a, a ground based army when there's a. <laughs> and that's always been dragon, the case. Right. Yeah. And George knows his history. Um, I think. Um, not dragons, but no, no, I just, in my head, I just oh. picture something different. I'll bring it up. I think, isn't the reason that, um, horses make such good, uh, war animals. I think this is a fact that they actually get bloodlust. Like they get into it. Um, oh, I have no idea. But so that. there's certainly an element oh, of I that. Horses were like afraid of it. skittish. That's why they use donkeys to like go like on the grand Canyon trails because horses are too scared to well, being scared on. of heights and being scared of murder. That's true. Horses are fucking scary as shit. Have you seen those things? But no, I was picturing what if all of Game of Thrones, all of the rest of House of the Dragon was these people riding on dragons that they just can't control them. (laughs) And just just fire shooting around everywhere. Like just riding a nuke around the fucking castle. I don't know stick. (laughs) I don't know stick. Where's the automatic on this dragon? (laughs) Are you, are you looking up something? Anyway, I, I thought I read that, but 
Doesn't matter. Our next email comes in our final email. Oh, actually, before we do that, we did have one patron message that I thought would be fun to do real quick. Okay. This one comes in from Will Nash, my boy. Will. He writes, I don't have anything particular to ask about Hot D, but I am curious what house you three uh, think you would belong to in the Game of Thrones world. What house are you in, my mm. my dudes? <sighs> if we had our own sorting hat, that was Westerosi. What house would you put yourself in? Would would you be in a Would you be a Bracken? Would you be a man? I gotta be honest. A Stark. I want to say I'm a Stark. I don't get cold uh, easily, and I'm pretty fucking cool. That's where my brain goes, right? Mm-hmm. But my actual assessment of myself, of being honest, is I'm a denizen of Flea Bottom. I'm down there eating meat pies, chasing cats. You're I'm probably even, working. You in don't the even bo- have the self confidence to put yourself in a house. I don't think if I was, it'd be like on one of the fingers or something like one of those minor like crab houses. But I, I honestly think I'm just bent over getting my cheeks clapped in some brothel <laughs> for coppers, child fighting and shit for mere coppers. <laughs> His teeth are filed down. And he's fucking not even that cool. Like I don't fight. Hard. I just clap my cheeks, my lord. <laughs> I got 12 coppers for Chris the pale skin. <laughs> Flat my cheeks, my lord. Have you got any bread? Get away from me. Where's Chris the cheeks? I don't want to clap your cheeks. <laughs> Please, oh, sir, this is a Wendy's. Please clap them. I'm so hungry. Oh, I just need to eat. Fuck. Andy, are you also getting your cheeks clapped and sleep on? <laughs> now I feel like I have to. Um, let's see. Oh, where would I, what house would I be in? Um, I feel like I wouldn't be one of the, like the, the super house. I could see Andy as like, um, he's from old town. Oh, Andy's probably like a maester. I can see maester. I'm a high tower. He's learning. He's getting his chain. You're like Mm. the third son of a Tarly or something. And you're just, you're in the Citadel. I'm getting my cheeks clapped. (laughs) Sorry. You're King Targaryen. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. So I was going to say that I'd be uh, from a lesser house. Where I went with was the reeds. Cause it's like a step. You're not a swampy boy. Step removed from cool. Um, But yeah. What do you mean? The reeds are awesome. No, step removed. Well, they're super cool. Don't get me wrong. They're badass, but they're not like Starks. You know what I mean? Like they're not Lord of shit, but they're still super badass. And that's what I was getting at with me. Like I'm (laughs) I'm not Lord, but I'm still pretty badass. Um, But yeah, no, Old Town probably makes sense. Uh, Learned, but. uh, From Old Town to the wall. To to the the sweat dream down my balls. Oh. (laughs) Steven. Um. Honestly, I would, hmm. I probably would be like a Royce just because I see a lot of myself in Yon Royce. Just like, hmm. I'm just too fucking old and tired to deal with this shit. Do hmm. you see yourself as a mountain boy though? You think you could deal with that thin air? Do you see Yon Royce as a mountain boy? <laughs> <laughs> or like maybe a Tyrell. Cause I, yeah, you're a flowery guy. I'm a flowery guy. I could hang out. I'd probably be hanging out with Loris. Like, Hey Loris, you have a lot of cool friends. Oh, it's who we Oh, I'm a Dane. I don't hang out with Arthur. Sir Arthur Dane. Mm-hmm. He's a dope boy. The sword of the morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's from um, the, the reach and the stuff, night. isn't he? Aren't the Danes from down there by old town? Honestly, I don't know. I can't place I where the so. Danes are from. I think so. Starfall. Is that the name? No. You're talking about Evenfall? Evenfall. All right. I'm a Dane. That's what I'm going with. All right. I'm still down should, here. Should we? Hitting <laughs> coppers. <laughs> 
You're going to be one of the Targaryen bastards that are uplifted from poverty. Maybe. You're, you're a black fire. Maybe. <laughs> Lord of the cheeks. Chris the cheeks. Uh, but our last email comes in from Stanton V, read by Andy. Stanton. Stanton. So Stanton writes in, probably missed the recording already, but just in case. He did not. He did not. Chris mentioned Rhaenyra's Dracarys for her mother's funeral pyre was the only time we heard the fire command this season, but there were more. It's fair if you've put this beautiful but traumatic scene in the back of your memory. Very true. Lena Valerian pleaded Dracarys over and over to a hesitant, worried, and confused Vagar. I'm really confused right now. <laughs> I mean, I get the grapefruits on this broad, but I don't really get it. <laughs> Pull yourself together. You know how many eggs I've laid? Kid, come on, forget about it. <laughs> I can't remember how many times she said it, and I'm not emotionally ready to rewatch for a count. Yeah, no, I heard you, Dracarys. All right, I ain't doing it. I heard you the third, the third and fourth time. All right, I'm just gonna. All right, fine, I'll do it. Thanks for all the awesome coverage of Hot D season one. It's such a treat to get de- to get deeply detailed reviews so soon after air, while the details are all swirling in my brain grapes. <laughs> and then to have our bitch and Discord friends to chat endlessly with. Yes. Oh, geez, I can't pronounce that. Nuhi Discord Geralza. Nailed it. You guys have been studying on Duolingo. What's it mean? I actually haven't studied it in uh, 30 days. Duo in, uh, informed me today via email. We are, you made us duo sad. Was the subject I, I was so, I got that email today too. And I was so mad. Like, fuck you duo. <laughs> you got that too? Yeah. So we both stopped on the same day. Don't gaslight me into thinking I hurt this owl's feelings. <laughs> you made me duo sad. Oh, I'm sorry. Here I come. You're a piece of shit. You made duo sad. All right. So that was our last email, but I did go back through each episode of the season and look at our mummer's dragons to cap off this episode oh. with who won the most streamies, who was the best performance of the season. And honestly, if I were to um, tell you just without even looking like who I felt like was the best performance of the season, it would have been one person tied very closely with my favorite person. And that's exactly what fucking happened. Just counting our votes mm. up. So that's really neat. Uh, so the first episode, uh, Steve gave it to Patty. Andy gave it to Sean Brooke, who played Emma, and I gave it to Patty. Uh, episode two, uh, Steve and I gave it to Eve Best. Andy gave it to Caraxes. But the said, big red newly boy. If you force me to pick a person, it'll be Steve Dussant. And Fair. third episode, uh, Steve and Andy gave it to Matt Smith. I gave it to Millie. Uh, episode four, we all three gave it to Millie Alcock. Episode five, uh, Steve gave it. Steve and I gave it to Emily. And Andy was absent that that week. And uh, episode six, uh, we all gave it to Emma Darcy. Episode seven, we all gave it to Olivia Cook. Episode eight, we all gave it to Patty Considine. Uh, episode nine, Steve was absent. Andy gave it to Eve Best. And I gave it to the only vote ever to Reese Fons. And uh, I finally got one. <laughs> the finale, Andy and I gave it to Emma Darcy and Steve gave it to Matt Smith. So the final count is Sean Brooke with one. Reese Fons with one. Matt Smith with three, Emily Carey with two, Caraxes and Steve Toussaint each with a half, Eve Best with three, <laughs> Millie Alcock with four, and then Patty Considine and Emma Darcy tied with five, which I think wow. is, is accurate. Wow. I think that's accurate. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Like, so we're tied Emma Darcy and Patty Considine uh, next, Millie Alcock, and then followed by uh, Matt Smith and Eve Best. That's fucking spot on how I feel, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. I thought that was neat. Yeah. Uh, if Patty 
does not win something. If I had to pick one person, much like Andy with uh, the Steve Desant versus Caraxes battle, uh, I, I would give it to Patty just because yes. he did so much with a nothing character in the yeah. books and like Literally, gave me the, yeah. the greatest moment of the, the the show so far. Viserys's reign in the books is just, he's just such a nothing character. It's like, yeah, he's kind of a bitch. And then, and then that's guys, it. They only talk about him enough to set up the characters in the Dance of Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, but he he brought such heart and humility. Um, like I, I saw an interview with him where he was like, um, uh, Viserys is just too human to be king. And I thought that was such a great way to view that character. Yeah. He's too human to be the king of this, of this, of this. Uh, He's just world. like me and like why I couldn't be in a, a strong house. I'm get, too get human. Your cheeks yeah. That's why it's all, you know. I'm human, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> if only Vizzy T was down in Flea Button. He'd be on there too. Drinking his. (laughs) (laughs) You can't resist this. No. (laughs) You get these. (laughs) The only power I have in Westeros is that I'm a power bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I get them coppers quick. Yep. Move on. (laughs) There'll be a line formed outside that brothel. (laughs) Fuck the sad boy. Sad boy here. I'm not sad. I'm happy as shit. I don't have to work. I'll have to, that's how I like to live my life these days. Um, that's all the time we have for the House of the Dragon wrap up episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, you can always write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com and uh, follow us on Twitter at streamthingpod and sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things. Join our Discord. Join the family. A lot of fun shit goes down in there. Yeah. You can make us watch certain movies. You can vote on other things. Lots of fun stuff. Different We're going to be tiers. watching a lot of those chosen movies. We have a soon. ton of those yeah. coming up. Our schedule's opened up. So for your diehard listeners, thank you so much for being patient. We've got like uh, the Burbs, Legend, Silence of the Lambs, all kinds of cool shit coming up. Steve's yeah. got a big Google Sheets document of all Google of it. Google Sheets? Google, Google Sheets. Google Sheets. It's past midnight here, man. We've been recording all night. Oh, shit, it is. Uh, that's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things. I love you. New patron shout outs. Thank you all. Well, guys, I've got great news for you. We have new patrons to thank. Yes. Well, let's give a shout out to the people who joined up and became members of the Streaming Things family this month. First, in the Try Before You Deny uh, section, we have Stanton and Valerie. Stanton and Valerie, man. Thank you so much. And never forget, (laughs) just try before you deny, man. Our new Marty B VIP producers include Ryan Bigger, Maggie, HHS Teacher, Hailey mm. B, Abby Vollmer, Florida Josh, Christopher Corelli, and Alex. Florida Josh, are you the man that all those articles have been written about? Next up, we have our chocolate pudding producers. We have Tile, Jillian Sloan, Alex Lembeck, Jennifer Lynn Isvan, Lauren Hartzier. Morgan Quimby, Ryan J. Poole, Misa McDaniel. <laughs> Is that like a Jar Jar, Jar, Jar Binks thing? Yeah, Misa McDaniel. Misa uh, Gavusa. Gavongo. <laughs> the Planet Core. Uh, Erica Swanson, Courtney Kilpack, Michelle, Katie, Joe Velez, Barry, Jenna, Melanie Bordelone, Alicia Martinez, Isis, Amy S., and Jennifer Hardy. <laughs> 
It's not that ISIS. <laughs> we also have some Friends Don't Lie producers that join this month. That is Claire Cumming Herrero and Jenna. And then we cannot forget the people who upgraded the Patreon. So these are, these are people who were at lower tiers and decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to shoot for the distance. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go make higher it rain. Tier. I'm going for speed. Yeah, they got one of those little guns that shoot dollar bills and they just like mm-hmm. shot it right all over us. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, upgrading to the tribe before you deny tier. We have ghost uh, upgrading to the Marty B VIP section because they knew it was so cool. There's a Nina in there. We've got Maria, Ali Awald, Rachel Malloy and Tony Dare. I, Tony, dare you guys to upgrade further. Well, <laughs> well, one person took you up on that. They upgraded to the chocolate pudding tier, and that is Jenna. Jenna, welcome oh, and Jenna. Thank, you. thank you. You have found the chocolate pudding. Much uh, and keep it going, man. Just keep it, stay in the family. We need you here. 